Saturday, January 20th, 2024. BK here coming at you from rainy San Diego. Yeah, as one of you guys told me on uh, the Instagram, tan ops have been curtailed. Indeed, they have. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at BK Actual and Twitter for breaking news throughout the week at Bravo Kilo Actual coming at you uh, 1 18 p.m. Yeah, again, if you guys did follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you saw that uh, I was getting ready, had everything kind of lined up, and then my iPad had a total meltdown one more time, kind of lost almost all my tabs and had to go through my history and <laughs> rearrange everything. And I won't bore you with the details, but uh, lost some of what I was going to talk about, but I think I can still manage a pretty good podcast. Why don't we go ahead and get into it and begin in Japan. Big week for Japan. A Japanese robotic spacecraft has successfully set down on the moon. And with that achievement, Japan is now the fifth country to send a spacecraft that made what they call a soft landing on the moon. Presumably that means it didn't just shoot into it and make a giant crater. Now, they're is a little bit of a hiccup. Apparently, the aircraft's, uh, sorry, spacecraft, solar panels are not generating power, and that will cut down the length of time it will be able to operate to only a few hours. So this is from Japan's space agency, known by the acronym JAXA, J-A-X-A, and they currently operate a variety of robotic science missions in space, but... This was the first time they had tried to set down on a planetary body elsewhere in the solar system. The spacecraft is known as the Smart Lander for Investigating Moon, SLIM, and it was intended to demonstrate precision landing within a football field of a targeted destination rather than uncertainty of miles that most landers are capable of. So this technology could be very useful for future missions like those in NASA's Artemis program, which Japan is a partner and that program is the one that's supposed to send astronauts back to the moon in the coming years. Uh, so at 10 a.m. Eastern time on Friday, yesterday, uh, SLIM fired its engines to begin its descent from the lunar orbit. And about 10.20, the main landing gear touched the surface near a small crater named Shioli in the equatorial region of the moon's near side. Uh, the surface there, they said, was difficult to land on because it is angled about 15 degrees. And that would, you know, pose difficulties for landing without the thing tipping over. So they had it, the spacecraft, tilt to one side just before landing. And then after the initial contact with the ground, the spacecraft tipped forward onto its front legs. And it landed safely right after the landing. It was able to send radio signals back to Earth. And basically, it was a successful landing, but again, a few hours later, they figured out something was wrong with the solar panels, and they think one of the possibilities is the panels are just pointing in the wrong direction, and they could generate energy later when the sun was shining at a different angle. So uh, we'll see how they do that and if they're able to go ahead and fix those. They were able to also deploy two small rovers from the lander just before landing. Pretty cool. Uh, interesting note, because the moon has no global positioning satellites or radio beacons, the spacecraft have to figure out by themselves exactly where they are. So SLIM sends out these radar pings, and that tells the spacecraft how high it is 
and how fast it's moving. And they have cameras and all kinds of other technology. So very, very cool stuff. Congratulations to Japan. Meanwhile, I think I mentioned this last week, but that American company's moon lander has officially disintegrated in Earth's atmosphere. Yeah, this was the Astrobotic Peregrine spacecraft. And it launched last week for a moon landing, but a propulsion, a propulsion malfunction left it unable to complete the mission. Yeah, it was uh, kind of disappointing. That trip ended 10 days, covered more than half a million miles, but the spacecraft never really got close to its landing destination on the near side of the moon. So it, it had a good takeoff. It was on the debut flight of a brand new rocket known as Vulcan. But then right after the second stage, the propulsion system suffered a major malfunction and the spacecraft, here we go again, could not keep their solar panels pointed at the sun. So uh, it was also like carrying like some ashes of like JFK or something like that. It's not in the story, but it's kind of a bizarre thing. They wanted to put some... Uh, some people's ashes on the moon. Well, all those ashes burned up in the explosion. So hopefully you guys kept some of those ashes, whoever that was. Let's go to Thailand. A fireworks factory explosion in Thailand has killed at least 20 people. Injured a shitload of others. Uh, the factory, after the explosion, collapsed. And it was basically nothing but a pile of rubble. This was in the Sufan Buri province. The blast was so loud that it could be heard like a kilometer away. It's unclear what caused the explosion. You can imagine there's probably lots of combustible material in there. And this is the second such accident in just over a year. The first one also involved an explosion and fire. Killed one person in November of 2022 and that injured three people. The factory did have a permit to operate and... Check this out. The factory owner, his wife, and all their kids died in the blast. Crazy. Fireworks are commonly used in festivals in Thailand. Uh, staying in Thailand, one more. Thailand has imposed their longest ever prison sentence for criticizing royalty. Yeah. An activist received 50 years in prison for sharing TV and film content on social media that violated the country's law against defaming the monarchy. Yeah, dude, this guy was, this was over a two-month period in 2021, and it was some online clothing vendor. And he was sharing posts on Facebook. And this included clips from, uh, you guys know John Oliver, that guy on HBO, big British lib. Yeah, his show last week tonight, he posted a few clips of that, and apparently it was offensive to the monarchy. But, yeah, Thailand has one of the world's strictest laws against defaming the monarchy. It forbids defaming, insulting, or threatening the king and other members of the royal family. It's known as Article 12. It carries a minimum sentence of three years and a maximum sentence of 15 years. Believe it or not, this is the only law in Thailand that imposes a minimum jail term. <laughs> You're better off touching kids. Unbelievable. Uh, even though a civilian government took office in September after almost a decade of military rule in Thailand, there's been no let-up in the number of prosecutions against people who have criticized the monarchy. 
Prime Minister Sretha Thavison has said he would not amend or abolish the law. Yeah, the guy who uh, did this, the clothing vendor, he's 30 years old. His name is Mongkon Thirakot. And uh, yeah, he sells clothes, also a political activist. He was initially sentenced in 2023 to 28 years in prison for 14 social media posts. But on Thursday this week, this last week, the Court of Appeals in Chiang Rai found Mr. Mongkon guilty of 11 more counts of violating the royal criticism law and added 22 years to his sentence. Uh, the John Oliver clip was from, um, well, one of them at least. Uh, he shared he shared two different shows, episodes 8 and 12 from season 1 of John Oliver's show last week tonight. Apparently, John Oliver mocked the Thai king, his wife, and their poodle. The other offending post included a clip from the Fox animated series American Dad that showed the characters stealing the king's diamond-encrusted inhalator. He was also convicted for posting The Soul of a Nation, which is the title of a BBC documentary about the Thai royal family. Now, they're saying this was such a harsh sentence because the number of Facebook posts was numerous. And there's also a unique feature in the law that imposes a minimum sentence on each charge. God. And they think he got a break from the judge because he cooperated with them. This year, courts in Thailand are expected to rule on hundreds of such cases. This is four years after protests back in 2020 motivated all those thousands and thousands of Thais to take to the streets. And that's when they were calling then for checks on the king. And the then prime minister, Prayuth Chan Ocha, the general who seized power in the 2014 coup, instructed all government officials to, quote, use every single law, end quote, to prosecute anyone who criticized the monarchy. And... Anyone can bring charges against the royal criticism law. At least 262 people have been charged with violating this law. Unreal, dude. Yeah, dude. Freedom of speech. It's a rare bird. Uh, I had this story left over from last week, and I cannot believe I didn't get to it, and I badly wanted to, but let's go to South Korea. South Korea has officially banned dog meat. About freaking time. Breeding, killing, and selling dogs for their meat will be banned in a country where it's become unpopular anyway. But hundreds of thousands of these the dogs are still being bred for human consumption. It's a centuries-old practice, and you know it's it's actually rare even today. It was once a lot more common. It remained so in the decades after the Korean War, for obvious reasons. The country was like just fucking filled with rubble, and there was no meat. Uh, but the practice became increasingly shunned as incomes, pet ownership, and concern for animal welfare rose steadily in the late 20th century. A little statistic here. Most South Koreans, especially young people, see eating dog meat as appalling. About 93% of South Korean adults said they had no intention of consuming dog meat in the future, and 82% said they supported a ban. Yeah, and uh, one of the groups working hard at this was the Humane Society International Korea. And uh, this is great. 
With the ban's passage, South Korea now joins a list of other places that have prohibited the trading of dog meat, including Hong Kong, India, the Philippines, Singapore, Taiwan, and Thailand. But millions of dogs are still killed each year. Millions for their meat in places like Cambodia, Indonesia, and Vietnam. President Yoon Suk-yeol's cabinet especially is expected to officially put the ban into effect if they haven't already. I didn't do an update on the, the article I already had saved. And he and his wife, the first lady, who own numerous pet dogs, have campaigned for the ban. And under this law, a person who butchers dogs for human consumption could face three years in prison. Uh, the breeding and selling of the animals will be punishable by two years in prison and various fines on top of that. Uh, in 2022, about 520,000 dogs were being raised for human consumption at 1,150 farms, and about 1,600 restaurants were selling dog meat nationwide. Now, that, that sounds like a shitload, right? But it is considerably lower than in years past. Now, of course, all laws have opposition. There's very few laws that are unanimous. And yes, an association of dog farmers protested the bill in the months before it passed, arguing that eating dog meat was a matter of individual choice. And they also wanted more compensation for farmers who were going to lose their businesses. Now, in the the, uh, legislation, they did also include some compensation for that, but these guys wanted more. And, uh, yeah, you know, normally I'm a big freedom of choice guy, not when it comes to dogs. This is a man's best friend. A dog is the only thing that will love you unconditionally. A dog and a baby, maybe. Woman won't. (laughs) I know, ladies, don't get me started, right? Yeah, yeah, us men. Men love unconditionally. You guys have all heard that before, right? We do. You know, a, a billionaire can fall in love with, like, a fucking waitress at IHOP. And and the habit, but the reverse is almost never true, right? So you better bring something to the table as a man. But uh, painful lessons that a lot of us have had to learn. Let's keep going. Let's go to Canada. This is this story is fantastic. You remember all the fires in 2023, clouded the skies of New York and all that shit. Well, they have got a guy in custody who just pleaded guilty to starting the fires. He pleaded guilty to setting 14 fires in 2023. He's a resident of Quebec named Brian Paré, 38 years old. And he was, the, the, the irony here is he was online sharing conspiracy theories like, no, 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 the Canadian government is are deliberately starting these wildfires to convince people climate change is happening. <laughs> so he's one of these kooks. Last year was Canada's worst wildfire season on record with a total of 45 million acres burned. Yeah, I remember covering it heavily here on many days. As I said, the smoke from the fire spread across North America and around the world. Two of the fires, this goofball set, forced people to evacuate about 500 homes in the town of Chapai at the end of May. It's in Quebec. I'm assuming it's got the French pronunciation. One of those fires was called the Lake Cavan Fire. It burned more than 2,000 acres of forest. That was the biggest one he admitted lighting. Now, he hasn't been sentenced yet. It's expected in April. 
Uh, let me see here. What else did this guy like to post? Yep, claimed the government was purposely failing to control and even deliberately starting wildfires, denied the existence of climate change. Oh, good Lord. Linking the wildfires to conspiracy theories that governments are fabricating phenomenon like cl climate change and COVID-19, threw uh, COVID-19 in there, to justify new restrictions and regulations. Oh, come on. Yeah. And uh, yes, I, I look, I have the sympathy with the climate change. As I said a hundred times, I believe in climate change. Yes, that's right. The climate has always changed in the four and a half billion years the earth has been around. I will painfully just say the same shit over and over again. That's why we have deserts where oceans used to be and oceans where deserts used to be and mountains where valleys used to be and valleys where mountains used to be. And it's all, that's what's going on all the time, constantly. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's going to do what it does. Now, they claim that the emissions cause this. So uh, uh, that seems to be the scientific consensus. But again, what are you going to do about it? Were we, we going to go back to the uh, Stone Ages here? No, we're not. Nobody is going to do that. So short of doing that, I don't know what you could do if we want to live in a modern society. So, uh, And I will also note that every single time, I swear to God, guys, Last week, historic snowfall on the West Coast. Every newspaper, news outlet, climate change. This year, not as much snowfall. That, too, is climate change. <laughs> All it does is result in more money going from your pocket to various governments and climate activists. And, uh, yes, uh, yes, I'm a climate change believer. However, I'm not one of these people who's so... Uh, self-important that I believe just because some sometimes it happens in my time that's the end of the world I just don't believe that so all right when you guys uh, out in the Australia New Zealand area sent me this this is fantastic police have charged former green member of parliament Golaries Ganraman with two counts of shoplifting <laughs> and Golries was uh, she did resign. Now, this uh, this is in New Zealand. She was uh, this is significant because she's she was so woke, you guys. She was the first refugee to be sworn in as a member of the country's parliament. Yep, she quit Tuesday after allegations emerged she had shoplifted from two clothing stores. Oh, here we go. Actions she said were caused by stress affecting her mental health. Get out of. God, what is that? See what I mean when I say they throw up the shield? So once you invoke sacred mental health, everybody's supposed to stop asking questions at that point. Oh, yes, yes, mental health. I, I ever, Have you guys had mental health problems? Are everybody stressed out? Did it cause you to steal? Not even from one store, two stores. Uh, Garaman is 43 years old. Oh, and then she invoked it again. Before I get to that, she invoked it again when she resigned in a statement. She said, quote, the best thing for my mental health is to resign as a member of parliament, end quote. Get out of here. Former United Nations human rights lawyer originally from Iran uh, rose to prominence and allegations of shoplifting started appearing in New Zealand's news media this month. Oh, they even had CCTV video. It appeared to show her taking a handbag from a clothing store. Leaders from her party, the far-leftist Green Party, confirmed that the police were investigating the episodes, which happened in the cities of Auckland and Wellington. And 
so nowhere in her statement, it should be noted, did she mention shoplifting. Now, the honorable thing to do once you're caught is to fess up and say, you know what? Yeah, I did it. I don't know what I was thinking. Was, I'm an idiot and I quit. I'm sorry. Just apologize and say what you did. <clears throat> but that's not what she did. She said she could not explain her behavior because it was, quote, not rational in any way, end quote, and said after the medical evaluation, oh, she had a medical evaluation, quote, I understand I'm not well, end quote. Oh my, this, it's, it, her whole statement apparently was gibberish. She added that a mental health professional she was seeing said that her behavior was consistent with, quote, recent events given rise to extreme stress reports response, end quote, and related to past trauma. What does that mean? Oh, okay. The leader of the Green Party did kind of stick up for her. Uh, he tried to blame it on the fact that she had been subjected to continuous threats of sexual violence, physical violence, and death threats since the day she was elected, and there had been constant police investigation into those threats. Well, that's not good, but all politicians get those. But yes, she was one of these leftists. She had promoted refugees and migrant rights. And she worked on ending New Zealand's military deployments in the Middle East to refocus the work of the country's defense forces on the climate crisis. <laughs> Get out of your mind. Oh, man. What a psycho. No, she doesn't have mental health. She just saw something and she wanted it and she didn't think she'd get caught. That's all. That's all any of this is. You're a grown-ass woman. You're 43 years old, highly educated. Stop. Oh, my mental health made me do it. Oh, that's fantastic. Get out. Let's do a quick update here. Over in Kenya, do you guys remember the uh, cult leader in Kenya? There, they found like 400 dead bodies on his property. Talked about it uh, pretty heavily at the time. Well... A Kenyan judge said this week that he, this cult leader uh, named Paul Nathenge McKenzie, uh, must undergo a mental health evaluation before prosecutors formally charge him with the murder of 191 children. Again, this is all goes back to last April. These mass graves in the Shakahola Forest of southeastern Kenya, where hundreds of people had come to follow this goof, he was a former taxi driver turned televangelist. Uh, he had marketed this forest to his followers as an evangelical Christian sanctuary from what he claimed was the fast-approaching apocalypse. And this was known as the so-called starvation cult because the Kenyan authorities say that this guy told members of his church to starve themselves to death to meet Jesus. He's denying all the allegations. So good luck with that. Uh, what else? He's uh, McKenzie is uh, being charged. Well, he intended to be charged along with thirty of his followers, presumably as like uh, acolytes. Oh, here we go. Ninety-five people in total would be charged with crimes in connection with the case, which it called the Shakahola massacre. Uh, rights groups, interestingly enough, have protested previous efforts to prosecute any of the followers arguing that the accused should instead be helped. Well, if you fucking helped bury a kid, I'm sorry. Dude. Again, you're a grown-ass adult, dude. 
I'm so sick of everybody treating adults like little kids and little babies who just can't help themselves, have no agency. No, I, I had no control over my actions. Yeah, when he when he started when he when he told me to throw that kid into the fucking pit, yeah, I, I just couldn't, you know, I I, I as a grown ass man, I, I couldn't stop myself. Unbelievable. Oh, and uh, some of the bodies, by the way, not only indicated death by starvation, but some showed signs of strangulation. One former member of the cult told the New York Times that Mackenzie had preached the children should be the first to die. Um, and they, so their parents could ensure that their children would reach heaven first. It's very, very weird. And usually, as one prosecutor pointed out, when an adult died, it meant their children had already starved to death because he wanted them to go first. Some of the bodies have been buried as early as 2021. This is a huge case in Kenya over there, so I'm curious to see where uh, this goes. We'll watch it. Okay, let's go to our ongoing nightmare in the Middle East. Yeah, lot of, uh, lots of stuff going on. Before I get to other things, uh, first of all, we've had some United States troops in Iraq have been injured in an attack linked to Iran-backed militias. At least two U.S. troops were injured on Saturday, their t- uh, today, their time, when their airbase, Al-Assad airbase, it's in the western part of Iraq, if you didn't know, came under heavy rocket or missile fire from what U.S. officials said were Iran-backed militias. Uh, this attack is among the latest and the most serious of roughly 140 such rocket and missile strikes against U.S. troops based in Iraq and Syria since the October 7th Hamas-led attacks that sparked Israel's, uh, Israel's war in Gaza. The number of injured could grow. They're still working out damage reports and everything else. One Iraqi soldier was injured as well. Uh, Al-Assad, I'm sure a lot of you guys have been there. It used to be gigantic. It's now primarily used by Iraqi forces, but we still have U.S. troops there. In all, there are 2,500 U.S. troops in Iraq and 900 in Syria. And they're there to help support Iraq and Kurdish Syrians to tamp down on whatever remains of the Islamic State. There have been 57 attacks in Iraq and 83 in Syria. Nearly 70 U.S. personnel have suffered suffered injuries in the attacks, including traumatic brain injuries. And the attack at al-Assad came just hours after Iran accused Israel of launching an airstrike on the Syrian capital of Damascus that killed five Iranian military figures. We'll get into that in a moment. The latest sign of the growing fucking clusterfuck rippling out from the Israel-Hamas war in Gaza. Uh, Iran-linked militias in Iraq, known collectively as the Axis of Resistance, and who count themselves as part of Iran's network of allies, claimed in a statement that this latest attack was a response to Israel's war in Gaza. Okay, Uh, so let's talk more about Iran and the shit with Pakistan and everything else. First of all, Iran today, I'll go for kind of the newest shit first. Iran accused Israel, again, of launching an airstrike on the Syrian capital of uh, Damascus that killed five Iranian military figures. The head of intelligence in Syria for the overseas arm of Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps force, known as the Quds Force, you guys have all heard of that, and his deputy were among those killed. 
Iranian state media reported that President Ibrahim Raisi condemned Israel's strikes on Syria, saying, quote, The Islamic Republic of Iran will not leave the crimes of the Zionist regime unanswered. End quote. <coughs> of course, Iran does support Hamas and Hezbollah in Lebanon, and they've been going back and forth for a while as well. The Revolutionary Guard sent a statement that five of its members who were in Syria as military advisors were killed alongside several Syrians. Syria, of course, is a close ally of Iran. Uh, let's see here. This they entered. They talked to an Israeli defense official who requested anonymity. He would not say who was behind the attack. Apparently, it was an airstrike that hit a four-story residential building and killed five people in total. Big ass explosion. Yeah. Um, what else? Iran also launched a missile strike this week on the city of Erbil, my old stomping grounds in the Kurdistan region of northern Iraq, saying it was aimed at an Israeli base for intelligence gathering. It, uh, Iraqi officials weighed in on that attack, and they said, no, no, no they're, whatever you think you hit in Erbil, it was not an Israeli spy outpost. Like Iran claimed it was like the Mossad. And Iraqis said, no, you only killed civilians, including a businessman, his one-year-old daughter, her babysitter, and another businessman visiting the house. Yeah, Iraq's probably, Iraq is not too happy. They've, they've butted heads with Iran about this before. They've always been big on you know national sovereignty, and they don't like Iran really meddling in their affairs, as sympathetic as some of their citizens may be towards them. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else? Israel is, meanwhile, they are going hard still. Their airstrikes are hitting the southern Gaza Strip uh, city of Khan Yaunis. Uh, on Saturday alone, killed nearly a dozen people, according to Gazan officials. And Israeli bombing continues in other parts of Gaza as well. And the Gaza Health Ministry said at least 160 people had been killed in the coastal enclave over the previous 24 hours, raising the Palestinian death toll from the three-month Israeli offensive to nearly 25,000 people. It, that number has not been independently verified. Uh, what else is going on? Well, let's just uh, go to a few more stories here. First of all, we're still hitting the Houthis. Yep, for the sixth time in 10 days, the U.S. said yesterday, Friday, they had destroyed Houthi missiles in Yemen that were poised to attack merchant and military vessels in the Red Sea. And this is a pattern of strikes that the White House say will continue for the foreseeable future. A spokesman for the National Security Council, our old buddy John F. Kirby, claimed the U.S. military hit three Houthi missiles and launchers. He did not say what weapons the U.S. had deployed in the attack, but previous strikes have used cruise missiles and munitions dropped by fighter jets. So this is the fourth, or as of yesterday, that was the fourth U.S. missile attack against the Houthis in four days. So far, it's not stopping the Houthis from attacking the shipping lanes in the Red Sea or the Gulf of Aden. Uh, and they say they're going to keep it up. And it's all about a protest again against, again, Israel's military campaign in the Gaza Strip. And Biden had an all-time great quote. Because I remember I went on Jesse Kelly, and I was like, dude, these don't do anything. It just, like, it makes, you know, the Houthis are just going to use this as propaganda, saying, look, we're fighting for our Arab brothers in Gaza, and now the big, great Satan United States is launching bombs at us, and they're going to get a lot of sympathy for that. They just, that's how it works. Have we not seen this playbook? 
time and time again? I think we have. But Biden said on Thursday that U.S. airstrikes against the Houthis will continue even though they have not halted the group's attacks on Red Sea shipping. Here's the quote. He said, quote, are they stopping the Houthis? Talking about the missile strikes. No. Are they going to continue? Yes. End quote. <laughs> All right. How long is this going to go on now? Uh, they said on Saturday today, U.S. officials, that even after hitting more Houthi missiles and drone targets with more than 150 precision-guided munitions, the strikes had damaged or destroyed only about 20 to 30% of the Houthis' offensive capability, much of which is mounted on mobile platforms and can be readily moved or hidden. And then, yeah, and then what? I think I mentioned this last week. What about the dollar cost? These guys can buy these drones all day long for fairly little money. Meanwhile, how much are the missiles that we're launching over there? A couple hundred Gs each, probably. And also, I'm just kind of adding up, linking all of this together. I hope you guys don't mind. Again, it was like I was discombobulated after the iPad crash, so give me a break this week. Benjamin Netanyahu, Israel Prime Minister, he pretty much said there's not going to be a Palestinian state. That's a big, that's a big deal. He appeared to rule out a post-war peace process that would lead to the establishment of a sovereign Palestinian state, rebuffing calls from us, the United States, and others to start working on that goal. He said at a news conference, uh... Quote, in any arrangement in the foreseeable future, with an arrangement or without one, Israel must have security control over all the territory west of the Jordan. This clashes with the idea of sovereignty. What can you do? End quote. And the Biden administration and the Israelis are not even close on this. How Gaza is going to be governed when, if the fighting ends. Uh, Biden and uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken have urged Israeli officials to move towards the eventual establishment of a Palestinian state. Uh, Biden suggested that uh, maybe you could get the PLO, the Palestinian, um, I'm sorry, the Palestinian Authority, not the PLO. He wants the Palestinian Authority to run the Gaza Strip instead of Hamas. Now, I know this is a little confusing, but if you look at a map, the West Bank, that's an area for the Palestinians, and the Gaza Strip, if you don't know this, they're not connected. So it's a little awkward. Yeah, Israel runs between the two of them. So that's been a big part of the problem because a lot of Palestinians in the West Bank want to go to the Gaza Strip, and they've got to go through all these border security checkpoints. It's a whole fucking mess. So... Israeli officials are dismissing that, saying, nope, and they're only focused on the war in Gaza. Yeah, uh, Netanyahu said, quote, I told this truth to our friends, the Americans, and I also blocked the attempt to impose a reality that would harm Israel's security. The prime minister needs to be able to say no, even to our best friends, end quote. Well, that sounds pretty freaking final to me. It doesn't like, that's not even ambiguous. He's just like, no, we're not doing that. Hmm. Meanwhile, the president of Israel, remember they have a president and a prime minister, Isaac Herzog, said the October 7th attack really left more Israelis concerned about their immediate security than whatever long-term peace. Like, they're, they don't give a shit about that right now, not while they're getting missiles lobbed at them. 
And by the way, they still have a bunch of hostages. Uh, so uh, for some reason, uh, Justin Blackface Trudeau, Canadian Prime Minister, he, they, they went after him for a comment too. Uh, he emphasized that Canada was, quote, deeply committed, eh, end quote, to a two-state solution. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you guys. You know, this is the way it's going to be. Uh, there, you know, and you guys know I've covered it quite extensively. The, you know, the war now, the war of messaging that's happening all over the world with this. And there's a lot uh, of Europeans who are not happy with how this war is going. I found this clip. This is a person called Claire Daly. She's a member of the European Parliament. And she goes after Israel pretty hard here. Let's uh, listen to this clip. Uh, Despite right the catastrophic death toll it has inflicted, Israel is losing on the ground and in the court of public opinion. There's no way that this ends that doesn't leave Israel a pariah state with occupation and apartheid on borrowed time, and they know it. So they're doing everything they can. Desperate acts of aggression to provoke a wider conflict with Lebanon, with Iran, with anybody to draw in the U.S., to save them from the consequences of their own actions. And as Yemen shows, Butcher Biden is reporting for duty. Wow. With Europe's proud genocide by his side, they are the ones who have enabled the continuation of Israeli terror. Without them, it would already be over. So take note, Butcher Biden. The ancestors of the Ireland that you claim to be from disown you. Keep our country out of your mouth. And as for von der Leyen and genocidal Germany with your words and deeds supporting Israel in the ICJ, not in our name. The people of Europe stand with Palestine and with South Africa. All right, she walks off. Keep her name out of your mouth. <laughs> Whatever, butcher Biden. And also, she threw a little thing that stuck out of me there. She was like, oh, this would already be over if it wasn't for America. I, I, I don't think so. I don't think it would be. I talked about the U.S. returning Houthis. To the Did I talk about the U.S. returning Houthis to the terrorism list? list? Yeah. Yeah. I think I said that last week when, they, uh, when Biden took them off. But now they will redesignate them a terrorist organization. And that does partly reimpose penalties that... The Biden administration lifted nearly three years ago. Uh, it begins in mid-February. <laughs> Why? God, well, you can't just do it now. You have to wait. It takes weeks to declare something. Can you just type it up and have it hanging on a frame or something? I don't know. Add it to a book. A few keystrokes on the computer onto the list. Why mid-February? Uh, fascinated by this. Yeah, there's another article here if you guys want to go Google it. Uh, Houthi leader says clash with U.S. will strengthen militia group. Yeah, see? This is what they think. Yeah, the militia's leader, the head of the Houthis, named Abdul Malik al-Houthi, he said in a televised speech, uh, what, uh, January 17th, January 18th, he said, quote, We praise God for this great blessing and great honor for us to be in direct confrontation with Israel and America. End quote. That's a spot-on impression. But, yeah, the Houthis are not backing down. They've expanded their list of declared targets to include American and British interests in the region. 
and uh, he he's called the uh, he called the notion that the strikes affected the Houthis' military capabilities, quote, a delusion, end quote. Okay. Uh, he Oh, and he weighed in on the designation of them being a terrorist group. He dismissed it as, quote, funny, end quote, and then he went on to castigate the United States for our role in supporting a 2015 military intervention in Yemen by that Saudi-led coalition, which attempted to defeat the Houthis, and everybody thought it was going to be a cakewalk, but that ended up in a nine-year civil war. Hundreds of thousands of people in Yemen died from either fighting, hunger, or disease, and then the Saudi-led coalition began to pull back several years ago partly because of U.S. and international pressure, and that left the Houthis in power in northern Yemen. So they're doing okay. Uh, speaking of that, Biden kind of mixed up. He had a little he had a news conference. I'll play more from this later. But he, he kind of confused Hamas with the Houthis and then, uh, and, and then came up with a reason why Hamas attacked Israel. Let's uh, listen to how this sounds. I, I think one of the reasons the Houthi, I can't prove this, one of the reasons the, the, the Hamas did what they did was I was about to work out a deal with Saudi Arabia wanting to normalize relations. I mean, fully normalize relations with Israel and bring along six other Arab nations to change the dynamic in the region. Well, they, weren't, they were already, <clears throat> excuse me, they were already doing that. Biden before you. No, oh, well. And uh, also, uh, last comment on this. I want to talk about the quickly. We've all seen by now. I really hesitated to talk about this, but I wanted to wait for the dust to settle a little bit and talk about the two missing Navy SEALs who one fell off a boarding ladder and the other, as, as per SOP, went in after him. So there's still. An, I hesitate a little bit because I don't know the exact situation, but my initial gut feeling is I'm questioning kind of the uh, tactics here. And it's nothing on them at all. It's not their fault. They're just doing their job, right? Uh, but yeah, this was part... Let me get through the story first. So it's been a week. So presumably these guys are gone. I mean, let's be real here. This was an operation off the west coast of Somalia. I'm sorry, off the coast of Somalia. And the operation seized a small boat carrying lethal aid from Iran to the Houthi militia in Yemen. Now, the SEALs, backed by helicopters and drones, boarded this small boat. It's called a Dow, D-H-O-W. It's small, dude. And they, and they did seize Iranian-made ballistic missiles and cruise missile components bound for Yemen. The seized items included propulsion and guidance systems and warheads for Houthi medium-range ballistic missiles and anti-ship cruise missiles. These weapons transfers would violate international law, of course. Um, this was the first seizure of US, uh, by U.S. forces of Iran supplied weapons to the Houthis since they launched the first of more than those 30 attacks in November against all of the commercial ships operating in the Red Sea. Uh, now, after Thursday's boarding operation, the Navy deemed that small boat, the Dow, that they took over unsafe, and it sank the vessel. Its 14 crew members were taken aboard a Navy ship. So uh, they're, what they're saying is, as the two guys tried to board the Dow, it was rough seas, it was at night, one of the men apparently slipped off the boarding ladder 
If they're used, I don't know exactly what kind they were using. If it's the kind that I've seen multiple times, then that is a that's physically difficult. It's no joke, especially when you're in full kit. Well, one of the guys apparently slipped off the boarding ladder or was swept off by a high wave because they were heavy seas. And then again, another member of the team jumped in the water to try to rescue him, and they lost sight of them almost immediately. Now, presumably, they were wearing some sort of inflatable gear. That's kind of also standard operating procedure. But here's my problem with it. W was this necessary to, to conduct a night shipboard seizure? Uh, this is a VBSS, right? Vehicle-borne search and seizure. <clears throat> it's very, very dangerous. I would rather do a halo jump with full equipment at night than do that at night in heavy seas, right? Because, you know, you fall overboard, you're probably gone, dude. Unless you have the presence of mind to like, I don't know, hit your IR beacon, infrared beacon, inflate your fucking um, whatever they were using for uh, buoyancy. So my question is, why would you do that? You have this huge fucking ship. They were operating off of the expeditionary vessel, the Lewis B. Puller. It's named after Chesty Puller. I Googled it. It's a it's one of those like big flat ships, but it can launch like helicopters and other smaller boats, I'm I'm betting. Why didn't you just fucking pull up alongside this small fucking piece of shit boat that was apparently like half sinking anyway? They said it was unsafe. And if they couldn't, why didn't you <clears throat> why didn't you have like helicopters like right in front of the thing cutting it off with the guns loaded and then have guys like just repel off the fucking helicopter onto the deck of the ship doesn't that seem like a lot safer than trying to pull alongside in big seas and if they pulled alongside they did have a small boat you see where i'm going with this i just question some of the decision making here why not just get on the birds and have a few guys jump off or fast rope down really quick and meanwhile you have like two or three helicopters and this thing is a big boat the puller can hold numerous aircraft why not just have a few helicopters like hovering there with the guns loaded with, with the uh, 19 year old helicopter gunner just waiting to just waiting like make a fucking move. Can you imagine? He's like, guys, the gunner's eyes were probably so big. They're like, oh, please, please do something. So again, I don't know all the details. That was just my initial thoughts of like reading the story. Maybe they had a good reason to do it. I freely admit, I don't know. But I'm just saying that was my first initial impression. Like, why would you do this? Um and it's tragedy. So I feel bad for the Navy community and their families. So, uh, yeah, it's been a week now almost, and presumably they're probably never going to be found. So <clears throat> tragedy all the way around. Rest in peace. Is that all I have for the Middle East for now? Yes, I do. Okay. Let's keep going and go to Germany. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. This is pretty funny. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the, of course, massive movie star turned former disappointing California governor, was detained at the Munich International Airport. Yeah, a routine inspection unearthed a luxury watch that the action star had failed to declare. You know those little forms you fill out? He was reportedly en route to his native Austria from L.A., Los Angeles, when customs officers at Munich discovered the watch, which the actor told customs officials was to be sold for charity. Um, now, customs rules in Munich require travelers from outside the European Union to declare any goods from outside the EU that are valued more than 430 euro, about 
$465 US. And a personal a person close to Schwarzenegger who was familiar with what happened said that he had agreed to prepay potential taxes on the watch. This is a watch from Schwarzenegger's personal collection. And the EU and the United Kingdom have a carve out for imported goods that are intended for charitable purposes, but you still have to declare it on arrival. And he'll face <clears throat> supposedly a formal criminal tax charge, but then they have the option on, you know, what kind of penalty they can give. So uh, assumably this will just be dismissed. I, I, but isn't it funny? You just, just wasn't a good deal, but I did not know I was supposed to declare watch. What are you doing? Get down. <laughs> just about to be cracking up. Get out of my bag. It's very expensive watch. That's great. And, and by the way, the watch was, it did end up, I have a little update here. The watch did end up getting auctioned uh, safely. And it was at uh, Vienna. Oh, God. You know, what this, you, know what the, you know what the charity was? It was a dinner for climate action in Vienna. Here we go again. It's just fucking, it's just a way for you to transfer money. So Schwarzenegger actually manned the podium for this. And his longtime friend Clemens Halman, 48 years old, placed the winning bid on the watch, which was a, I'm probably butchering this pronunciation, Audemars Peugeot watch. Last, uh, the, that's two words. The second word is P I G U E T. Uh, way I, there's nothing I could afford, that's for sure. Bidding began at 50,000 euros. The winning bid was 270,000 euros or 293,000 US dollars. God, we need to tax these people more. I'm sorry. We do. Yeah, that's great. Uh, oh, John Kerry was there too. Isn't that great? Yeah, he's Boy, he manages to get around quite easily, doesn't he, on his first class tickets and his private jets. Oh, man. Did any, any quotes from Arnold here in this article? The, la the He told the audience, quote, We must all give back and change the world. Today, our supporters have played a role in creating a cleaner and healthier future. I extend my gratitude to everyone who has joined my fight against pollution. End quote. That's a fucking spot on impression. Come on. Your fight against pollution. Yeah, okay. Still have the Hummers and the private jets and everything else. They raised $1.3 billion at this auction. Holy crap. Oh, he talked about the airport thing again a little bit. You know, he said, he said, he has a girlfriend named Heather Milligan who's 49, right? How old is he? Does it say? Uh, what is he like? He's got to be, oh, he's 76. Arnold is 76 years old. Uh, he said this about his girlfriend. He said, quote, can you believe that all of a sudden I was in handcuffs? I was in handcuffs, not because of the watch or because of the customs office, but I had a hot night with my girlfriend, Heather, last night. <laughs> End quote. Gross. I mean, it's unbelievable, he said. Okay. Fucking Arnold. I, uh, after the, you know what? I loved. I used to love Arnold, and then he became governor of California, and he was a huge disappointment. So then after that, I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude. All right. And finally, dude, a, um, you know, I actually aired... In the year in review, because I said this pot, this long running saga had come to an end 
but I was a little off. It, it this this is a long running legal case in Germany, and um, it 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 did come to an end where the guy was found guilty, but he had not been sentenced. So I misspoke when I said it at end, but now he has been sentenced, and this of course is the famous eunuch maker case. And a male escort has been jailed for cutting off a man's genitals. Who consented to have it done? Damien Byrnes, 36 years old. He's the male escort. He removed Marius Gustafson's penis and testicles which a, with a kitchen knife in February of 2017. <laughs> God. Uh, he filmed the procedure for a pay-per-view website, the Eunuch Maker website. We, he has been jailed for five years. Yeah. Um, they That wasn't the only thing. The amputee. There was a couple other guys who pled guilty for lesser charge. A couple other creepos who were there. One guy froze Gustafson's leg in dry ice, which led to the leg's amputation. I don't know if they mean like leading to the amputation that they did or the amputation that the doctors later had to do because it was frozen dry ice. It's not clear. Uh, and then he, this Gustafson also uh, got one of his nipples partway removed. Uh, yep, again, this is the subculture where men become, quote, nullos, end quote. You guys have heard the nullo word. Those are guys who like to be smooth down there. Yeah, they want to have a genital nullification, hence the name. Yeah, all right. Byrnes was hired by Gustafson, and um, Gustafson... Himself, he called himself. This is poorly written. It's unclear who called himself the eunuch maker. Here's how the sentence from the BBC goes, right? He's talking about a, pros a prosecutor's talking. And here's how the sentence is Quote, She told the court Byrnes was hired by Gustafson, who called himself the eunuch maker. End quote. I, I, that sounds like Gustafson called himself the eunuch maker. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, so before the procedure, apparently Byron's was like, dude, uh, yeah, I'll do it, but aren't you going to like lose a lot of blood and like die or something? And he said, no, I'll be, anesthet I'll be uh, anesthetized. So you can tie me down and do whatever you got to do. <laughs> During the video, Byron's can be heard saying, quote, well, that's one off the bucket list. I never expected that one, end quote. Oh, they didn't show the film in the court? Lame. Man. Fucking sick people out there, folks. What else? Well, let's uh, let's keep talking about penises for a second. We had a man who was semi-nude, high on meth, found running through a village in the Czech Republic after he had sliced off his ears and penis. Um, when they caught up to him, he told the rescue workers, quote, I don't know why I did that, end quote. He was discovered running down the street of a village with a swollen face by police officers. They called paramedics. And um, the paramedics got there. They noticed the blood on his face. They moved the man's hair from his face and discovered that both of his ears had been sliced off and that his penis had also been cut off. Wow. Above the scrotum, they said. The man had become volatile and unresponsive. <laughs> God, he was... 
They said he was in a state of toxic psychosis after they found he uh, he had a dangerous combo of crystal meth and cannabis in his bloodstream. And uh, it sounds like, is he going to live? So far, it sounds like he's going to live. So nice life, dude, that you uh, you did there. Very good. Let's keep going here. Let's go talk about the Uvalde School Massacre. You guys all remember that one in Texas. Absolutely horrible in Uvalde, Texas. The Justice Department, it's back in the news because the Justice Department this week published a independent examination of the law enforcement response. And they found obviously broad and unimaginable failures that delayed all the medical care to the victims. Recall that uh, 19 children... And two teachers were killed. At least 17 others were wounded. Officers took 77 minutes to confront and kill the gunman, uh, who was contained with his victims inside a pair of connected classrooms at Robb Elementary School. And um, it's a 600-page report. (laughs) Jesus. So I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Uh, Remember, this was back in May 24th, 2022. And uh, just a couple takeaways. First of all, federal investigators faulted the school police chief for the delays. That would be Chief Pete Arredondo. And the director of the Texas Department of Public Safety, that's the state police, accused Arredondo of being primarily responsible for the delay in confronting the gunman. Arredondo was fired. He defended himself, at least he has in the past, he's saying he never believed he was in charge. But the state police didn't get off scot-free either because they were some of the first to arrive as well state police troopers and texas rangers showed up but the justice department report really nailed down arredondo they called him the quote de facto on-scene incident commander end quote that's the way it goes these like mass casualty events or something like that you know like usually like the the main guy the first guy there the highest rank he's in charge and now everybody thing goes through him. That way, it's not like everybody's you know a, a higher rank shows up, right? And then well, well, now he doesn't know anything, but he's a higher rank. So is now he in charge? No, he shouldn't be in charge. You have the guy who like kind of has the most info. Yeah, they report they faulted him basically for transitioning from treating the gunman to an active shooter, who must be immediately confronted to a barricaded subject who is contained and can be approached more slowly. Um, yeah, dude. But other police leaders themselves also failed to step in. Arredondo did give orders, but he failed to establish a command post to organize a response. And then supervisors who arrived from way larger police agencies. Uvalde Police Department, the Uvalde County Sheriff's Office, and again, the Texas Department of Public Safety, and none of those agencies showed any urgency for establishing a command and control structure, and none of the supervisors at the scene questioned why the officers were not quickly trying to get into the classroom. Yeah, dude. The, now, the, now, remember, Arredondo was the school police chief. The Uvalde City, town, whatever, that police chief was out of town on the day of the shooting. So he had a lieutenant as the acting chief. But that acting chief, Mariano Pargas, did not have any active shooter training or tactical training. And the county sheriff, Ruben Nolasco, also had no active shooter training and very minimal leadership or supervision training. What? 
Remember, county sheriffs are elected, and the loss goes up for re-election in the spring. And they, again, they had to reiterate this. Officers must confront a shooter. The report found, quote, officers should be trained to confront and stop the subject's actions immediately, end quote. That's been guidance that's been going on for active shooter protocols since back in the 90s. After Columbine, that was pretty much what came out. Because remember, the cops did the same shit there. They surrounded the school and were like, okay, well, we'll just wait for them to stop. And that's why the Columbine shooters were able to kill all those kids. Uh, let's see here. They said there were 11 officers first on scene and they had sufficient training and equipment as well as personnel to engage the subject. They did not need any more men than they had there at that second. Yeah, that's uh, it was just a fucking tragedy all the way. As per New York Times policy, they are not naming the shooter and there's been like a bunch of them since then. I can't really remember. Now... A grand jury in Uvalde is set to examine a response to the school massacre now. So this shit isn't over. The DA, district attorney in Uvalde, um, is now intending to convene a grand jury to consider evidence from the Robb Elementary School shooting with the possibility that state criminal charges could result over the botched police response to the massacre. Yeah, and on yesterday, Friday, apparently came out that a selection for the grand jury had begun. So this is happening. Uh, yeah, so the grand jury could be asked to determine whether any of the officers broke the law by waiting those 77 minutes to confront the teenage gunman. Uh, criminal charges, if you didn't know, against cops who fail to protect the public remain very rare. The law usually does not require people to put themselves in harm's way, even if training instructs them to do so. Hmm. Two months before the massacre, by the way, officers with the Uvalde School District's police force had gone through active shooter training, which included guidelines that called for them to immediately confront a gunman to stop more bloodshed. So they knew what they had to do. And remember, some of the first guys there, they started to do it, they initially moved towards the door that led into one of the classrooms where the gunman opened fire, but they were fired upon, and so they stopped. Yeah, dude, lay, you got, that's when you got to lay down hate, dude. And that's when the video, remember, captured them waiting outside in the hallway. And, the, you know, and they were just, like, sitting there. Like, they didn't know what to do. And, fucking, dude, you got, like, a, you got a couple. You had several cops with long guns there, and somebody's firing. You fucking shoot back, dude. You got tons of ammo. Empty those magazines. Yeah, I know you worry about the kids, but still shoot back. You can see if he's shooting at you, shoot some rounds, at least make him duck his head back. Uh, recall that uh, federal border agents eventually confronted the gunman and killed him. So, yeah, just a huge waste all the way around. Uh, a couple other legal stories, speaking of like grand juries and all that, uh, Alec Baldwin has been indicted on a charge of involuntary manslaughter for the fatal shooting of that cinematographer on the set of the film Rust back in 2021. You guys all remember that. If the case reaches trial, prosecutors will have to convince a jury that Baldwin was guilty of either the negligent use of a firearm or of acting with, quote, total disregard or indifference for the safety of others, end quote. Even though investigators found he was told on the day of the shooting that the gun he was rehearsing with contained no live rounds 
and even though the film set was not supposed to have any live ammunition at all. Now, the defense is going to have to explain why the gun fired. Baldwin has maintained all along that he did not pull the trigger. And a forensic report, he, Baldwin claims that he says the gun discharged after he pulled the hammer back and released it. Remember, this is one of those old-timey fucking Wild West pistols, right? With the cocked hammer. You guys have all seen it in the movies. So he's saying he just cocked the hammer, basically. The hammer was released. He let the hammer go. Because the hammer, if you don't know guns, if you pull it back, you can cock it, but you have to like let it click into place, and you got to pull it back all the way. If you just pull it back, like I don't know, say two thirds of the way, and let it go, it'll spring back into place. And he says that's when the gun fired. Uh, a forensic report commissioned by the prosecutors determined he must have pulled the trigger for the gun to go off. See, he never should have. He never should have said that. And. I'm going to stand by what I said when it first came out. You know, at a certain point, you're like an actor. You kind of have to rely on people, you know? If the director and the assistant director and then the weapons dude is all like, okay, we just loaded this with blank rounds. <laughs> yes, technically, I guess you would want to check it yourself, but still, you're an actor. You're not like a gun guy, you know what I mean? And now you're going to dump all the rounds out again. I mean, yes, in a perfect world, you would, but I don't know. I'm thinking if you had like two or three people who all said they checked the gun and there's no live rounds allowed, supposed to be allowed anywhere on set. I mean, you know, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Legal experts are divided on this case. And they, they talked about the traditional gun safety rules, right? And you guys all know one of the four basic safety rules. Never point a weapon at anything you are not willing to kill or destroy, Right. Well, legal experts are saying that doesn't always apply, though, on film sets where there is a presumption. And indeed, investigators found he had been assured by the film safety crew that the gun did not contain live ammunition. So there's like, you know, there's some presumption. He's like, okay, this is a safe. This is not a uh, this, this gun is not going to fire a live round. <clears throat> and. And a, fe a retired federal judge said, yeah, the notion that you would never point a gun at someone sort of undo Westerns for the past 100 years. So, uh, but the grand jury indictment, when he was indicted, it required that eight out of 12 jurors found probable cause that he committed a crime. The standard at trial, of course, is much harder. A jury must determine unanimously that he is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah, very, uh, does it say how many, if it was a, how many the jury indicted him with? How many jurors? Uh, let me see here. Remember the cinematographer, by the way, I should point out, her name was Hale, Helena Hutchins. And uh, she tragically passed away. Baldwin is 65 years old. Yeah, they don't say how many jurors agreed that there was probable cause to indict, but we do know it has to be at least eight. So it was at least eight or more. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it, dude. I don't see how you can convict the guy. I just don't. You know, I know a lot of people don't like Alec Baldwin for his politics, but I'm trying to like take all that out of it. And yeah, he's kind of a blowhard and dickbag, but you know, this is a criminal case here, and you've got to take all that out of the equation. Uh, and then one more. Actually, I got a couple more legal stuff. You fucking believe this? I could not believe I'm reading this. The Los Angeles Innocence Project. Have you guys heard of them? That is that nonprofit organization that works to overturn wrongful convictions. 
they filed documents in court this week to re-examine a case. You know who it was for? Scott Peterson. He's the guy who's serving a life sentence in a California prison for the murders of his pregnant wife, Lacey Peterson, and their unborn son in 2002. This was a huge case out here, and this is pre-social media, and it was everywhere. Peterson is still maintaining his innocence, apparently. Um, This this is absurd. (laughs) Let me give you the quick details. This is Christmas Eve 2002. Lacey Peterson, 27 years old, who's a substitute teacher, pregnant with their first child. She was reported missing from the home she and Scott Peterson shared in Modesto. In April of 2023, I'm sorry, in April of 2003, her body and the fetus washed ashore in San Francisco Bay, close to where Peterson, who was 30 at the time, had told police he had gone fishing the day she went missing. He was arrested that month. During the trial in 2004, the prosecution argued that Peterson killed his wife so he could have an affair with another woman named Amber Fry. Prosecutor said Mr. Peterson had told Ms. Fry that he was unmarried with no children. He was sentenced to death, Peterson, by lethal injection in 2005. The California Supreme Court overturned that decision in 2020. And then, remember, the court upheld the conviction but said the trial judge had made mistakes that hindered Peterson's right to an impartial jury. He was resentenced in 2021 to life without the possibility of parole. Peterson has maintained his innocence this entire time. And uh, this is like the last... This is a horrific crime, dude. I cannot believe these fucking libs at the innocence... Of all the people you're going to go to bat for, this guy... I vaguely remember, like, it doesn't have a lot of detail about the trial itself, but I remember some of it because it was, again, it was so huge. And, like, they, his lawyer was coming up with all kinds of crackpot theories, like, oh, no, there's, there, was a, there was a brown van seen in the vicinity, and there was, like, known Satanists operating in the area who were known to take pregnant women and sacrifice them or some bullshit, and the cops were like, what? <laughs> like, it was, it was ridiculous. Uh, oh, man. Uh, then... The uh, another legal one I have is, of course, that Georgia prosecutor. That mess is still going on. This is the Trump prosecutor, Fannie T. Willis. She's prosecuting Trump for the uh, election fraud stuff, and now she's all wrapped up in this scandal where she paid a minion a bunch of money for the investigation into the Trump thing, but he had like no experience doing it. And oh, oh, by the way, also they were banging and traveling together. So, yeah, this was uh, her lover was Nathan J. Wade. And um, yeah, her uh, she when her office decided to prosecute former President Donald Trump for his efforts to overturn his 2020 election loss. She picked Wade as a mentor to Willis, but also a lover. And these allegations first appeared publicly in a court motion filed by one of Trump's 14 co-defendants in the Georgia case. Now, Willis received a subpoena to testify from Mr. Wade's wife in their divorce case. Hmm. Wow. Uh, Willis has been divorced since 2005. She has not addressed the allegations of a romantic relationship, nor has Mr. Wade. But on Friday, <clears throat> oh no, Credit card statements included in the filing in Mr. Wade's divorce case showed that he had purchased airline tickets for himself and Ms. Willis on April 25th, 2023 for a trip from Atlanta to San Francisco and on October 4th, 2022 for a trip to Miami. 
Yep. And this is the contention that they made numerous trips together with Mr. Wade paying for some of the travel and presumably with some of the money he was getting paid to, you know, investigate Trump. Yeah, he got appointed to that job. It's made him more than $650,000 in taxpayer dollars already. <laughs> yeah, hot. Uh, so she, Fannie Willis, by the way, she's trying to avoid testifying in that divorce case. Like she doesn't, she's trying to squash it completely. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna give this chick all kinds of special treatment, dude. I already know. <clears throat> they're gonna say, "Nah, you don't have to testify. No, nah, I can be sealed." But uh, somebody dug up this clip, which I thought was amusing. This is a clip from back in 2020, where this is Fannie Willis going to speak. She says she would fire any employee that sleeps with a coworker. Hmm. Let's uh, hear how this one sounds here. Uh, it is saddening to me if young women felt like they came to work and they were, one, even judged for being a woman, but two, if certainly they felt uncomfortable within the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, that will not be something that is allowed on my watch. Um, supervisors under my leadership that are not encouraging and building up my staff will not be supervisors long in my administration. And um, I certainly will not be choosing people to date that work under me. <laughs> Let me just say that. False. Um, you know, we are at a place in society where things happen in people's relationships, husband and wife. Sometimes there are outside relationships. I don't think that that's what the community is concerned about, although there, you know, there might be a, a moral breaking in that. I think that what citizens are really, really concerned about is if you chose to have inappropriate contact with employees. I mean, there's nothing that I can say on it other than it is distracting. Um, it is certainly inappropriate for the number one law enforcement officer in the state. Um, and it just, it, it really, really saddens me. And it will be very unfortunate if the taxpayers of this community have to pay for any of those lawsuits. Exactly. That's the way I feel about it also. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she goes and does the exact thing. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, she's we'll we'll probably never see the gory details, unfortunately. Um, let's do something more fun. Remember one of last year's uh top stories that I had? Remember the trans canine woman? Yeah, she's back in the news. Uh she apparently was sent to jail, but she's out. She's admitted jail wasn't fun after she was arrested for, of course, her bestiality act. She goes by the name Naughty Fairy, K-N-O-T-T-Y-F-A-R-Y. On the social, she has not been banned from. Now, recall that she called herself trans canine because she was making pornography with dogs, right? She, she told, before she got banned off of OnlyFans, she told her followers, she had 185,000 followers on OnlyFans. I mean, I'm not going to lie, she's... She's attractive. That's what blew my mind about the case. You'd think this would be like some hideous chick. She's not at all. And she said she'd come out as trans canine, adding that she had been with six dogs with one year and only two men. Oh, gross. So she says, quote, I am trans canine. I can't abuse what I am, end quote. She has since gone on to be banned from owning dogs, fired from her job, and uh, everything else. Uh, and it seems like she was arrested and thrown in jail. She has her Instagram bio. 
Uh, I don't know. I guess it's Naughty Fairy Princess there, too. Yeah, and she said, that's what she said. Uh, j that's when she said jail wasn't fun. So apparently she's already out. And now she's uh, on Telegram. That's where she's trying to make cash from the same shit. Gross, dude. She's 23 years old, and uh, she's claiming that she has uh, bestiality videos for sale on, on Telegram. <laughs> the fuck dude oh god she has a vip chat that you guys can get on she says the vip chat quote will have incest and canine content actual incest from friends or people i interact with i don't do staged shit we literally will have twins uh if it's not for you that's okay this chat is for those who have spent 250 dollars or more end quote no <laughs> and and the thing was, she was being dragged by uh, uh, regular porn stars. They were like, gross, dude. Leave those dogs alone. Dogs can't consent and everything else. So she's out. If you guys want to go look her up, feel free. Okay. Uh, well, I neglected it last week horribly because I ran out of time. So let's talk about what's going on at the border. First of all, Texas. The state of Texas has started arresting illegal aliens. Isn't this great? The border feud between Texas and the feds is escalating in Eagle Pass. So what the Texas uh, law enforcement is doing, they're being arrested before they have a chance to surrender to Border Patrol, the feds. The Texas Department of Public Safety issued a tweet on Wednesday night talking about these arrests. And, yeah, and they're arresting illegal immigrants for criminal trespass. And troopers are enforcing criminal trespass on single adult men and women. And they're trying to get this under control. These are this is this is un, this is uncharted territory. These are the first of their kind, these arrests. Usually migrants, even if you're illegal alien, you're you're allowed to surrender to US Border Patrol. So they've shown they they put out pictures showing several people being handcuffed. In Eagle Pass, which if you guys have kept on the, up on the news, you know that's been like completely overrun. Under the orders of Republican Governor Greg Abbott, Texas soldiers, National Guard guys, fenced off Shelby Park on January 10th with razor wire and other fencing, even though the land is owned by the city of Eagle Pass. In the week before Christmas, more than 22,000, I'm not going to use the term asylum-seeking migrants, Daily Mail, stop. Illegal immigrants crossed the river separating the U.S. from Mexico to get inside Eagle Pass. But by the way, Eagle Pass only has a population of 28,000 people who actually live there. And then, yeah, the feud escalated when Border Patrol agents claimed Texas National Guard troops prevented them from entering the state-controlled area. So the Biden's the Biden administration's Department of Justice is filing a request with the Supreme Court to force the state to give Border Patrol agents access, and this is going to happen on Monday, that Supreme Court request. Uh, from everything I'm hearing, the Border Patrol agents are all about it. They're like, okay, like they've got their own problems. I'm sure they're stoked that the Texas law enforcement is like arresting and taking some of this off their hands, but uh, that's what's happening. Now, this is also relevant. There was another big fake news wave. Do you remember the the Border Patrol whipping. Remember when they were whipping the Haitian migrants and that story went all over the world and it was outrageous. White supremacy. Remember all that? And it turned out to be all bullshit. The beep, the Border Patrol was using the vein, the reins of the horse to like, you know, turn the horse and they weren't whipping anybody. 
but it didn't matter. The truth came out far later. A similar thing happened again. Three migrants drowned in the Rio Grande. Okay. This is on Saturday, last Saturday, a week ago. And according to the Department of Homeland Security, Border Patrol agents received a distress call from Mexican authorities about a woman and two children who are trying to cross into the U.S. near the entrance of that aforementioned Shelby Park. Homeland Security said that when Border Patrol agents tried to respond to the call, they were, quote, physically barred, end quote, by Texas military department agents from accessing the area. But the military, the National Guard guys, said when Border Patrol agents requested access, the migrants had already drowned, adding that claims they had prevented the agents from saving them were, quote, wholly inaccurate, end quote. But this went all fucking over in the usual libs, said, oh, what, no, 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 they were drowning, and the Texas guys just sat there and watched them drown, and then in, in, in addition to that, they actually physically blocked Border Patrol agents into going and helping them. It's ridiculous. Uh, by the way, the Mexican government confirmed that their National Guard did recover three migrants' bodies. And uh, the Texas military guys said, quote, at no time did Texas military security personnel along the river observe any distressed migrants, nor did they turn back any illegal immigrants from the U.S. during this period, end quote. And Fox News reporter Bill Malusian pointed out, he's been on the border forever, and uh, he, he, if you guys want to go, it's at Bill Malusian underscore, B-I-L-L-M-E-L-U-G-I-N underscore. And he's on Twitter and he does a lot of border stuff. But, and, and even the DOJ themselves, they made a filing for this because the White House claimed, remember, woman and two children drowned. Texas officials blocked U.S. Border Patrol from act, attempting to provide emergency assistance. But the DOJ in their own filings said the migrants had already drowned at 8 p.m. And the Border Patrol didn't inform Texas about this until an hour later at 9 p.m. So the timeline doesn't even add up. So it's just all just it's all bullshit. It's just so much bullshit. And meanwhile, they're still trying to put together a border deal to unlock the Ukraine aid. Remember that? And a White House meeting between the president and congressional leaders did little to break that stalemate. Stalemate. Republican Speaker Mike Johnson again insisted on a tougher immigration crackdown. So this casts a lot of doubt on whether Congress is going to approve Biden's request for tens of billions of dollars in emergency security assistance to help Ukraine. Why do they have to tie both these things together? I fucking hate when they do that. Just take one thing at a time, especially when it's tens of billions of dollars. What do you got to, like, throw all kinds of shit in there for? Yeah. Uh, what is the... Anything details about the plan that they're putting forth? Uh, let me see here. So, House Republicans have already passed a bill that included several of the border changes they would consider vital to any deal. That would include an end to the policy of paroling migrants trying to enter the United States until their court dates, okay? And a restoration of the Trump-era practice of holding migrants in Mexico and detention centers get too full. So what's the fucking problem? What's wrong with that? These people are fanatics, dude. So uh, let's go to some audio. Uh, let's talk. Let's go first to uh, bumbling press secretary Karine Jean Pierre. 
And here she is talking about the sending of illegal immigrants to Democratic-run sanctuary cities. Let's heard listen to this. say this very recently about how those actions that are being taken uh, by Republican leaders, leadership uh, is inhuma- inhuma- inhumane uh, and is demoralizing. And it doesn't, it doesn't lead to the safety uh, of, uh, of communities here. Uh, and so we've called that out, and we'll continue to do that. And I've spoken to this already, but I'll, I'll lay it out a little bit more. During the, the last year, uh, what our administration was able to do it, it, in, corrobor- in corroboration with states and cities across the country, we launched this one, one, uh, one-stop shop clinics to help eligible uh, non-citizens get working permits uh, and decompress the res- respective shelter system. That was something that that um, uh, that local leaders and state leaders asked for. And so we were able to obviously work in collaboration and getting that done. Uh, to date, these clinics have, have served more than 10,000 people. Uh, so they've been effective. Uh, and so and another thing that you've heard us speak to is that we've provided more than $1 billion uh, in grant funding for jurisdictions uh, hosting recently uh, arrived migrants. So that's been important. Okay, so she's basically saying, yeah, you know, what's the problem? We've given them uh, tons of money so they can get free health care and jobs, job permits. So a, a reporter right there should chime in and be like, uh, do you think that's going to result in more or less illegal immigration? Here's this uh, guy, Democratic Representative Congressional Representative Dan Goldman. He's been on fire lately, big lib. And he's saying, no, 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 we've, uh, we've been doing a lot of stuff at the border. And none Look, of it we've works. We've seen but. this all year, Chris. They've been uh, blasting the Biden administration, Secretary Mayorkas, who they're trying to impeach right now in the Homeland Security Committee, on which I sit, uh, for not doing anything at the border. But what is not known is that the administration and Secretary Mayorkas have actually implemented a lot of policy changes to address the issues at the border. And you know what the Republicans have done? They have filed lawsuits to stop the administration from trying to solve the problem. So while Secretary Mayorkas and the White House are negotiating with a bipartisan group of senators to actually solve the problems at the border, House Republicans are over here trying to impeach Secretary Mayorkas for not trying to solve the problems at the border. Okay, that's a third time. Let me jump in here. That's, so he said that three times. Solve the problem at the border. Now, a good journalist might be like, when you say solve the problem at the border, what do you mean by that specifically? That's what a good journalist would say, because Goldman, to him, solving the problem at the border, quote, end quote, is letting everybody in and giving them work permits. <laughs> that's that's what he says. And then you had this goofball, another Democratic congressman. He's, this is the young guy, Maxwell Frost. And uh, he, while he's making this speech, I'm going to see if I can say this. I'm going to want to give you a visual here. He's got one of his hacks standing beside behind him. And the hack is holding up a, 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 like, uh, a picture, painting, whatever, pretty like probably a meter tall of the Statue of Liberty. But it's divided into two halves, okay? I'll, I'll say what now. Let's listen to the clip, and I'll tell you what the guy does with the two halves of the picture. It's this new. Uh, to my here. colleagues on the other side of the aisle, let's be honest with immigrants who deserve better than what you're offering them. Don't welcome immigrants if you plan to reject them. If you keep pushing your bigoted HR2 bill, then also pass this bill. I've taken the liberty of drafting it for you. It removes. The Statue of Liberty, our largest symbol that tells people to come here. This is who you are. 
removing the fabric of America. Yeah, yeah, Statue of so Liberty I want to know which Republican who supports and voted for H.R. 2 <laughs> will introduce this bill. This is such an idiot. Okay, so what his hack does is he takes the pictures divided into two halves. The one half, the bottom half is the base of the Statue of Liberty, and the top half is the statue itself. So as he's saying this, his uh, aide removes the top half, showing only the base, empty. Statue of Liberty, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free, is now toppled by those evil Republicans. Such a goof. Oh, and of course, we had Kamala Harris weigh in. And just one guess, who who do you think, uh, do you think she blames herself? Remember, she was the border czar. What show is this on? I can't see what show she's on. Here she is talking about the border crisis and what who's really at fault. What are you doing to work with Republicans to try oh, to solve the this issue once and for all? We offered a bill. We have offered the that there would be, in the Senate, we have offered that there will be a, a bipartisan work to fix it. The, what it do you mean? Was fix the what? It bill we passed. And I think it's critically important that we understand that there are petty politics at play on this issue as much as anything. We need solutions. The solutions are at hand. We have to work on them together. We have offered, for example, that in our security pa package coming up, $14 billion that we would like them to approve Which Senate to, Republicans address to, do to address what? this issue. Address and it how? Republicans support it. So, hey. Let's all participate in solutions if we want to call ourselves leaders. Okay, you know, again, where is the... A good journalist would be like, well, when you say, like, solutions, what do you what do you mean by that? And and the thing with the money, yeah, they're, they're not... This is a big lib talking point. They're like, well, Republicans are holding up this border bill. You know, there's all this money sitting there. And the Republicans are like, well, we're not going to give you a bunch of money just to hire more people in order to more swiftly... <laughs> bring the illegal immigrants in like they want money to go for deportations for you know it, make people remain in mexico and all the other stuff what's the good you can give like a trillion dollars and if all you're using the money for is just hire more agents to process them faster well that does nothing it just lets them get in faster so that's my immigration but i do have one more clip of kamala harris unrelated that i thought i'd just stick in here she was uh it was monday it was martin luther king jr day and she was speaking somewhere, and she had some good quotes here, but perhaps my favorite one, let's roll it here. Today, we celebrate the legacy of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a visionary who saw what could be unburdened by what had been. <laughs> she did the thing. She must think that is just a banger of a line. Like, even if somebody else is writing that, wouldn't she notice, like, wow, you know what? I've, I've said that same phrase, like, 50 times in speeches. I'm actually being mocked all over the internet because of my insistence on using the same phrase. Maybe we should change it up a little bit. No, no. Unburdened by what has been. She loves it. Oh, God. What else? What time is it? I'm over this already. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Yeah, I'm frazzled from the beginning. The, the the tech meltdown does frazzle me a little bit. Well, we got to go on. Let's talk about some health care and stuff like that and uh, fatness. First of all, uh, there's an amputation crisis for men in San Antonio, and it's being caused by diabetes. 
Yeah, dude, it's been on diabetes has been on the rise around the world, and San Antonio is a huge Latino population, and Latino communities have been crushed by this. And it is a combination of genetics, healthcare access, but the main ones are diets high in processed foods and sedentary lifestyles. That's it. Yeah, dude, Texas has one of the highest rates in the nation for people undergoing diabetes related amputations. The problem in San Antonio is even worse than the rest of Texas, especially for men who are roughly three times more likely to lose a foot or a leg to diabetes than women, possibly because of cultural stigmas that prevent many Latino men from looking closely after their health. That's according to a podiatry doctor at the Texas Diabetes Institute. He said, yeah, dude, he says it's, this is the di- this doctor, Michael Sobolevsky says San Antonio is basically the diabetic foot capital of the world. And the disease is also killing a lot of people. Bear County's mortality rate for diabetes exceeds that of the rest of Texas and the country as a whole. Um, if you didn't, this is type 2 diabetes. This is the most common type of the disease. This is the one that you're not born with. You, you get because you're a fat piece of shit. It occurs when the body becomes unable to keep blood sugar at normal levels. It affects most uh, many parts of the body, but most uh, notably the feet, which may have to be amputated when blood supply fails to reach the lower extremities over extended periods, leading to serious infections that turn to uh, gangrene. But yeah, dude, but they, it is though, admittedly, Latinos, <clears throat> it is true that Latinos and Native Americans have genes that predispose the pancreas to make insufficient insulin. But this doctor also points out that San Antonio has the Tex-Mex cuisine, high in fatty oils, red meat, and includes things like flour tortillas and sweets that are high in processed carbohydrates. A recent report said that more than 76% of the adult population in San Antonio area are considered obese or overweight. Ugh. Dude, this doctor says here in San Antonio, if you actually went and tested all of the people, you would find that probably one in every two individuals over the age of 40 has diabetes. Gross. Yeah, dude. Hey, guys, you know, it's not that hard to not get type 2 diabetes. You know, keep your exercise up and uh, don't eat crap. It's not very difficult. Yeah, and uh, also the weight loss drug market is getting crazy. All the drug makers now, they're all trying to get uh, these highly sought-after weight loss drugs. And they think, if you investors out there, they think this uh, market could be worth tens of billions of dollars in less than a decade. Yep. And uh, let's see here. You guys have uh, heard of some of the some of the drugs, the Wigovi drug and stuff like that. And now uh, Pfizer is trying to get into it. Novo Nordisk, Eli Lilly. And yeah, they all want to get into this market. Other companies with weight loss ambitions have garnered less attention throughout the recent loss, weight loss drug industry gold rush. They soon may compete with larger players, though. Yeah, so I don't know, guys. Instead of taking a pill, just fucking put the fork down and go get some exercise. Listen to your uncle. You don't need a pill. It's just not, it's not correct. It's calories in, calories out. I've said a billion times. This isn't complicated. 
Just because you're huge and fat doesn't mean the same rules don't apply to you. Now, apparently, I want to play this clip, a little bit of it. There's a TikTok video, and this is a self-proclaimed doctor. I think the handle is the fat doctor. I'll tell you in a minute. But uh, this doctor is saying, who, and they are fat, this doctor, that losing weight has a lot of negative effects and that doctors should not tell people to lose weight. Let's listen to this logic from this adult. Doctors should never be prescribing weight loss to anyone. The fat doctor. At any point in time. And here's why. When we recommend any procedure, treatment, medication, or whatever, we need to be thinking about the pros and the cons, the benefits and the risks. So what are the benefits of intentional weight loss? Well, the main one is you become thinner temporarily, mind you, because up to 98% of people will regain all of the weight that they lost within five years. Not if they... Two-thirds of them actually will gain back more than they lost in the first place. There are some possible temporary health benefits, but none of them are long-lasting. For example, you may be able to get your diabetes into remission for like, you know, 12 months, 18 months, but no longer than that for the vast majority of people. Because they don't stick with the plan. Most of the data out there focuses A, on the short-term benefits, and B, more on health risks rather than health outcomes. And by that, I mean they'll focus on your blood pressure or your A1C or your cholesterol rather than focusing on, say, heart attacks or strokes or um, cancer. But what about the risks? Well, there are lots of them. First of all, there are the physical risks. People who diet suffer from malabsorption, um, poor energy levels, and when taken to extreme levels, they can become dehydrated. Oh, it can even cause damage to their heart, their kidneys, and various other internal What do you think being a fat piece of garbage is doing? Damage, the low mood, low self-worth. Okay, I can't take it anymore. If you guys want to go, this goes on for like another two minutes, this uh, quack. Obviously, being overweight has a tremendous effect on you. It affects your blood pressure, as they said, your heart, your kidneys, all of that. You're carrying around all that extra weight. It's bad for your bone. It's bad. It's just overall bad. This has been well documented for many, many decades. But now, because of social media, we have a bunch of quacks around who are free to peddle their garbage theories about this. It's complete nonsense. She should be thrown into a fat camp. Good God. Okay, uh, let's move on. Let's do another uh, interesting story here. A Colorado security guard was caught carrying a severed hand inside his coat pocket while on the job just last week. By the way, this is just one day after a mutilated headless body was found at a nearby creek. 26-year-old Solomon Martinez was arrested at work January 11th on suspicion of first-degree murder in the death of the woman who is believed to be the owner of the hand. Uh, This was uh, around Pueblo, because Pueblo police uh, came up with this. (laughs) This is great. Martinez allegedly admitted to hiring the woman as a prostitute days before, but denied committing the murder. Cops zeroed in on Martinez after his roommate caught him covered in dirt and blood at a local car wash before 5 a.m., two days before his arrest. He was allegedly using a pressure washer to clean the blood off his hands. Oh, and then he asked his roommate to dig a 10-foot hole for him. 
The roommate, who was reportedly at the car wash to work on his car, told police he asked to borrow tools from Martinez, but the alleged killer refused to allow him to open the trunk of the car to retrieve them. And then Martinez struggled to move something big in the trunk out of the way to grab the tools. Oh, boy. Yep. And he was asking friends to help dispose of bodies, threatened a friend with a gun to help him dispose of the body. Yeah, dude. The body was decapitated, but the head was with the body. Gross. Yeah, so when the police... So the police finally came to track him down because they got a hold of all this. And that's when investigators found the human hand inside a plastic bag tucked into the left chest pocket of Martinez's work jacket, which he admitted carrying around for a couple of days. Uh, what a time to be alive. Uh, this is a great story. Uh, you guys know, I've, I've, and I just mentioned this book, so it's kind of relevant, uh, that, that book, Real Food, Fake Food, about all the fake food and everything. Well, there's a great story re um, related to that. And this is about farmers in Hawaii, coffee farmers, and they're fighting counterfeit Kona beans. You guys have already all heard of Kona coffee, very famous. And this is in the Kona region on Hawaii's Big Island. This is one of the most expensive coffees in the world. Well, those farmers recently won a series of settlements totaling more than $41 million after a nearly five-year legal battle with distributors and retailers that were accused of using the Kona name in a misleading way. This is really cool. The class action lawsuit was aided by a novel chemical analysis of coffee from Hawaii and around the world. And this is prompting some companies to have to include the percentage of authentic Kona beans on product labels. And this all has to do with labeling. Again, the big problem in real food, fake food. It's like people trying to sell you something for presumably a luxury price that isn't what they say it is. Yeah, Kona coffee is delicious. I love going to Hawaii because I always get it nonstop, 100% Kona. It's great. Uh, there is about 600 to 1,000 farms in Hawaii, typically smaller than five acres. And the limited supply and labor costs put a high price on these beans. These beans cost about 50 bucks a pound. Yeah, and farmers have been a long time frustrated by this Kona beans that are sold in souvenir stores. And they said, dude, there's no way these products are real. They're way too cheap. Yeah, the, uh, a 2013 U.S. Supreme Court case caught the lawyer for these guys' attention. That court case found that a company called Palm Wonderful, which sells real pomegranate juice, was allowed to sue Coca-Cola for marketing a, quote, pomegranate blueberry juice that was, in fact, more than 99% apple and grape juices. So that decision said if you're harmed by false labeling, you can bring a case for damages. So in 2019, this lawsuit was filed on behalf of the farmers against more than 20 companies. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. So they had to... Uh, they had to do all this like scientific testing in a lab. It's too long to get into, but they were testing all these coffee samples from around the world and they were able to identify what elements and their ratios distinguish Kona from non-Kona samples and so thereby able to kind of establish like a baseline for what is actual uh, Kona coffee. It's fascinating. Yeah, and they were able to do this pretty cheaply. It was about 50 bucks or sample. And other researchers have done the same thing. They're testing like honey, oils, 
wine, other topics of that book. So uh, very, very cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's strange though because there's it's kind of all over the map. Remember a couple of years ago, they uh, the the cheese, the French cheese companies came up empty, suing a U.S. cheesemaker for stealing their name. So it's very a fascinating topic. Let's keep going here. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, you guys know it's been very very cold lately and snowy all over the country. And including in Chicago. And you, a lot of you have probably seen this video by now. But the Chicago temperatures have been below zero. And that is a big problem for electric vehicle charging stations and their cars. Yeah, dude. These don't work in the cold. <laughs> this, is, this one guy, he's an Uber driver. He said he'd done little else in three days besides charge his rented Chevy Bolt. Yeah, he said he set out Sunday for a charging station with 30 miles left on his battery. Within minutes, the battery was dead. He had to have the car towed to the station, but when he finally plugged it in, it wasn't getting any charge. Recharging the battery, which usually takes him an hour, took five hours. It, dude, this is what I was saying the last week, man, about the rental companies. No, shout out to my cousin on the East Coast, Julie. She said her she said her husband, they got to a car rental place and they got an electric rental car, which they didn't know until they got in it. And then they can't find a charging station. And that's why, was it Hertz? They're trying to offload all of their electric cars because nobody wants them. Nobody wants to get off an airport, like, you know, traveling all day, dude. Airport is, say, you know, it could be like Denver where the airport's like located outside the city. So you fly in there. You've been traveling all friggin' day. You get to the car rental place and they're like, here's your electric car. I'd be like, I don't fucking want that, dude. I don't I have no idea where charging station is. I probably don't know how to charge it. I'm sure it's pretty self-explanatory, but still. And, and I don't I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> like, who would? Anyway, the uh, local media in is this, uh, yeah, it, this is in Chicago area. They did a report on this, so let's uh, play the clip. EV drivers won't be able to drive as far as well if the temperature is 20 or below, which is the case here in Chicago. There are different estimates on how bad this can affect things. AAA says the performance decline is roughly 41%, which means what was once a 100-mile journey will only be 59 miles. Drivers here in Oak Brook at this Tesla supercharging station say they're frustrated. I had to charge like multiple times every day the last couple days. I had to like wait for like 45 minutes for a charger and then I pull in, it doesn't work, and then I pull out and then someone else takes the next charger and then I had to wait again. So it's, it's been a little frustrating. I was at 50% when I got here. Usually from 50 to like 80, 90% take like 10, 15 minutes. It's taking an hour and 20 minutes. It's just frozen and so I'm now getting towed to the um, Tesla service center because that's my only option at this point. I mean, you guys got to use your head a little bit. You know, you really do. You live in Chicago. This has been known. I've been talking about how weather affects the EVs for years. Yeah. I mean, again, it's good concept. Forget all the environmental stuff. Just talking about the technology. The technology is a good concept, but it's not good enough. It just isn't. All right. Keep going here. Oh, this is, let's go over to the Malaysia. Let's go back uh, international. Two Malaysian prisoners at Guantanamo Bay have pleaded guilty this week to conspiring in the October 2002 nightclub bombings in the resort city 
of island, sorry, Bali, Indonesia, which killed more than 200 people. Yeah, this is 48-year-old Mohammed Farik bin Amin and 47-year-old Mohammed Nazir bin Lep. They were charged in 2021, 18 years after their capture in Thailand. 18 years? God. Uh, yeah, both defendants were held in for years in the CIA's secret overseas prison network, also known as the Black Sites. They were transferred to Guantanamo Bay in 2006 for trial. And while in agency custody, according to their lawyers, they were tortured along with their accused ringleader, Ensep Nerjaman, an Indonesian prisoner known as Hambali. So in pleading guilty, these two guys agreed to testify against Hambali, the former leader of the Jamaa Islamiyah movement, an affiliate of Al-Qaeda in Southeast Asia. The charges cast them as Hambali's lieutenants, whom he recruited to take part in never-realized suicide bombings of U.S. targets. Hmm. Depending on what the testimony may provide, prosecutors may be spared the need to use statements made by Hambali after he was tortured by the CIA. Yeah, remember that became a big deal with the 9-11 guys too? Like, well, if you got these uh, confessions under duress of torture, they don't count and you can't use them. Yeah, here you go. The question of whether confessions prisoners made after years of CIA detention, torture, are tainted by torture that has stalled efforts to begin the September 11th and USS Cole bombing trials for more than a decade. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, October 12th, 2002, the suicide bombings of Patty's Pub. Yeah, that Patty's Pub. And the Sorry Club. Wow. 202 people from 22 nations died that day, seven of them Americans. Can you, 18 years to charge. Why? What is this? It's enraging. It really is. Uh, update. Remember last week I told you about that former, the promising young football, a.k.a. soccer star over in France who was basically sodomized by an officer's baton and ruined his career and kind of ruined his life. He was a young man standing on a corner. And that would be Theo Luhaka. He was the victim. And... He, uh, these, uh, free, these three police officers who beat him and his friends were on trial. And now we have an update. A French court has convicted three police officers of, quote, voluntary violence, end quote, towards Luhaka. The officer used the baton to strike him, was given a suspended sentence of 12 months, while the other two present on the scene got three months each. Luhaka was 22 at the time. He filed a lawsuit accusing the officers of assaulting him. And uh, remember the gory details on that because uh, somehow it, um, you know, it, it like when the cop beat him with a baton, somehow it like penetrated him. Yes, rectally. So they have been convicted. If you guys want more details about the case, you can listen to last week. All right. Let's go to which one I want to go to. Uh, you know, I love the Google searches. Do you guys uh, recall from last year the Gilgo Beach serial killer suspect? Yeah, this was, remember, the, uh, the, over in like the Long Island area? And this was the uh, serial killer Rex Hewerman. 
He has been charged with a fourth murder in Long Island. And his lawyer is speaking up saying, hey, listen, just because he has sadistic internet searches does not mean he's a murderer. Okay? And he tried to say, like, look, you guys know how it is going down the internet rabbit hole. Uh, you know, you look up at a Wikipedia thing, and then you start Googling uh, unkind search terms, and that's that's what happens. So what happens if you're guilty? Just because you look at your search history? So... I do have his search history here. I'm going to read some of them. It's got a whole bullet-pointed list on the charging documents. Uh, Let's see. Tied up fat girl porn. These are all terms he typed into Google. Hung by tits porn. Wooden pony porn. Um, Fat teen come on face porn. (laughs) Medieval torture of women. Uh, skinny black slave girl porn, young twink tied up porn. Uh, another search term was how I was raped audio. Oh, and oh, there you go. He got after it. Uh, he also Googled TS standing for, um, transsexual escorts Manhattan. And there's a couple other ones. Uh, but he uh, he has been charged. Last summer, he was charged with the murders of three women, Megan Waterman, Amber Costello, and Melissa Bartholomew. But on Tuesday, he was charged also with Maureen Brainerd Barnes, a 25-year-old sex worker who vanished in 2007. So that should be an interesting case, man. Can't wait. He's maintained his innocence through the whole thing, which, yeah, okay, I'm sh- right, buddy. Sure, her. Okay, and speaking of porn, do you guys know the story of the University of Wisconsin Chancellor who was fired? I don't think I actually talked about it because we didn't really have many details, and basically they said, well, he was fired for making porn. Okay, well, he is uh, given an interview, and he's talked about it. His name is Professor Joe Gao. He was the University of Wisconsin lacrosse chancellor. So he and his wife make X-rated adult films that incorporate their love of vegan cooking into the films. Uh, Joe Gao is 63 years old. He was suspended in late December after the videos he makes with his wife, Carmen Wilson, in which they invite porn stars to appear as guests, came to light. They got married in 2014, and they began posting videos on their, quote, sexy, happy couple, end quote, account on YouTube in early December, sharing footage of them preparing vegan recipes. Now, the, 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 the videos, the objectionable videos themselves aren't on YouTube. But what they, have, what they have happen is they have all the porn stars that they make porn with come into the kitchen with them and kind of make their crappy vegan food. And then they advertise much more explicit videos that they would post on a variety of other platforms, including their OnlyFans accounts. Yes, they have one. Yeah. (laughs) This guy's crazy. A recent YouTube video posted with adult star Lauren Phillips. She's a red-haired redhead, big rack. It shows the three of them enjoying flirty exchanges in the kitchen with Phillips telling the couple they were as, quote, delicious, end quote, in a previous sexual encounter as the vegan pizza Wilson had just cooked up for. See how it works? 
What is it? It's a big deal. This guy was chancellor for 17 years. He was set to leave the university after this academic year anyway. And after they were found, these these videos in December, Gao's colleagues were quick to speak against them with the president of the University of Wisconsin group, Jay Rothman, branding the clips, quote, abhorrent, end quote. What's the, what's the, big, what's the harm here? They're not doing anything. Wow, he's got some fucking hotties. <laughs> I'm scrolling down the Daily Mail picture, uh, videos, uh, article here. Oh, yeah. He's got some good-looking chicks there. Mia Malkova. You guys know her? I bet you do. I'm just reading the caption. I don't know who any of these people are, obviously. Um, let's see here. He paid... This guy had gotten in trouble before. He paid porn star Nina Hartley... $5,000 to speak on campus in 2018. You can find these guys, by the way, uh, on Pornhub and X-Hamster. So some of the videos have more than 200,000 views. All of the videos were posted in the last two months. So you guys, you guys can go ahead and give me a, a review of that if, if you'd like. Oh, man. Let's keep going. Why not? Uh, where do I want to go? I'm do some. I'm sick of everything, honestly. I want to do fun stuff. Well, let's go to the uh, the Iowa caucuses. It's very exciting. Yeah, the outcome was never in doubt. Trump crushed everybody as expected. The Iowa caucuses ended after nearly a year of campaigning and more than 123 million dollars in advertising. And uh, as of the Iowa caucuses, and Donald J. Trump was declared the winner before most of the votes had even been cast. Now they are going to New Hampshire, and where polls show Ms. Nikki Haley <clears throat> with more support. But Trump crushed everybody, and he he won. What was it like he won every? He won all but one county. Yeah, here it is: ninety-eight out of ninety-nine counties. Trump won. This like was not fucking close, and this is like dumb at this point, right? And Trump barely went there. He flew into Iowa, Iowa only about a dozen times as his rivals spent weeks there. <laughs> this is so stupid. He outperformed Ron DeSantis in conservative strongholds, including Northwest Iowa, which is home to many of the evangelicals who were heavily courted by the Florida governor. Uh, sadly, Vivek Ramaswamy, the, the most interesting candidate by far and the most candidate, uh, candid, he got only he got less than eight percent of the votes. He quickly suspended his campaign and endorsed Trump on Monday evening. So I'm sure he'll be uh, if Trump wins a future cabinet minister, cabinet uh, guy or run the campaign or something. Yeah. So DeSantis got second. Haley got third. And DeSantis visited all 99 counties. And for what? He didn't. He didn't get anything. It's just, I don't know what to tell the, these people. It's pretty much done. And this is where I get concerned. Fine, vote who you want, right? But they took like exit polls here. Two-thirds of Republican 2024 Iowa caucus voters believe Joe Biden did not win the presidency four years ago. I mean, come on. <laughs> these are these old crusty fucks out in the country who think Trump is the shit and they don't care about anything he doesn't do as long as he, like, zings the media, 
makes funny jokes. Guys, I love zinging the media. I like the funny jokes. I've talked about this many times. Trump is hilarious. Do I want him to be president again? No, because first, he's probably sliding into dementia, too. Two-thirds think that the uh, 2020 election was stolen. Come on, guys. I, I don't even know how to talk to these people anymore. It's a bummer. Damn, dude, I wish I still had this uh, clip. I don't, but um, this is one of the casualties of the meltdown. But uh, Trump made a speech, and he was confusing Nancy Pelosi and Nikki Haley. Right? This is in New Hampshire, where they're going on right now. He was accusing Nikki Haley of failing to provide adequate security during the January 6, 2021 attack at the Capitol and connected her to the House committee that investigated. Of course, he meant to say Nancy Pelosi. Uh, I do have his quote, though. He said of Ms. Haley, quote, you know, when she comes here, she gets like nine people and the press never reports the crowds. You know, by the way, they never reported the crowd on January 6th. You know, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley was in charge of security. We offered 10,000 people, soldiers, National Guards, whatever they want. They turned it down. They don't want to talk about that, end quote. He's 77 years old. He said of Joe Biden, 81 years old, quote, he can't put two sentences together, <laughs> end quote. That's great. Oh, dude, he's he's going to win. He's going to be the nominee. I know. I've mentally prepared myself for it. Meanwhile, Haley, this is an exclusive at the Daily Mail. She is denying that she cheated on her husband, Michael, and had multiple affairs before coming becoming South Carolina government in, uh, governor in 2010. Multiple GOP insiders told the Daily Mail they were intimately aware of Haley's infidelity at the time, and a communications consultant and lobbyist both signs both signed affidavits in 2010 alleging they had a sexual relationship with Haley. Wow. Will Folks is 49. Larry Merchant is 61. Those are the guys who said they banged her. Uh, what were these affidavits? Let's see here. She's denying this. She's denying cheating on her husband. Um, just wondering what these affidavits are for. They made the news. The contents of the affidavits were described by major news outlets at the time, but this is the first time they've been published outside of, uh, you know, in, in the public domain. Her husband, Nikki Haley, is Michael Haley. They've been married for 28 years and have two children. He was deployed in Afghanistan with the National Guard in 2012. But this was apparently a well-known secret in South Carolina. These multiple GOP insiders said they told tales of steamy liaisons in the back of her Cadillac SUV, uh, kind of uh, giving them a little lap dances at bars and nights spent together in a Columbia, South Carolina duplex. With that, hmm. Her husband's a major, by the way. I should point that out. All right, Nikki Haley, fucking freaky. All right, and yes, Vivek, he dropped out. That's unfortunate. I had some clips from him too, but again, another casualty of the crash. But let's play some clips from Trump. He is speaking in New Hampshire. 
When was this? this? Was just yesterday. So I got a couple clips. Let's listen to Trump. I can't. Twenty twenty four, dude. I'm fired up because there's gonna be Trump clips all the time now. So here's here's Beautiful Trump. Beautiful capital in the world. On day one, I will sign a new executive order to cut federal funding for any school pushing critical race theory, transgender insanity, and other inappropriate racial, sexual, or political content onto the lives of our children. They love it. You believe this? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> well, I got a few more. I just want to get through them. Uh, what's this one? Here, same same speech. Uh, here he is uh, talking about Ms. Haley. See what he says there. But she condemned my strong border policies, and in 2016, she stabbed the Republican Party in the back by siding with Barack Hussein Obama <laughs> against the Trump travel ban, oh. which was one of the best things I'm telling you. It kept our that kept our country safe. I love it kept our country safe. I love he dropped the Hussein to the New Hampshire crowd. That's great. Barack Hussein Obama. Uh here he is. Now he's going to get the US Navy to uh destroy the Mexican cartels, it sounds like this will be great. The deadly drugs that are poisoning our people. I will deploy the US Navy to impose a full fentanyl blockade on the waters of our region. I had meetings with President Xi. He was going to give the death penalty to anybody sending fentanyl into the United States. And he was all set to do it. And then we had a rigged election. He was all set. (laughs) And then nobody obviously followed up. The drug cartels are waging war in America. And we will destroy those cartels. They're going to be destroyed. All right. So if you didn't catch it, he was talking about, he said President Xi. He's talking about President Xi Jinping of China. And we had a deal. It was all put together. The most tremendous deal. Nobody's ever seen a deal like this. Uh, and here he is again talking about Haley. And this this is true. So it came out that a lot of Haley's, like Iowa caucus voters, uh, said they were actually going to vote for Biden in November, but they wanted to support Haley over Trump because they hate Trump so much, right? So here he is kind of referencing that. In Iowa, nearly 50% of Haley's voters said they were voting for Biden in November. So the people that voted for her, and think of it, 50% said they're going to vote for Biden in November. And now the leftists are spending millions and millions of dollars to flood your airways with Nikki propaganda. It's Nikki propaganda. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. It's going to be it's going to be like months of this months of these clips, guys. I can't. I hope you're ready. I am certainly not ready, but whatever. Oh, boy. OK. Is that all the clips from Trump? Yeah, it is. OK, let's keep going. Uh, let's go to, oh, let's go to this one. Let's go to, uh, I just lost it. Oh, here we go. This was, let's go to Australia. And this was a big case over there because a 65 year old man has been cleared to work with children despite being previously convicted of multiple disturbing sexual charges. And a lot of it was on video. They're not saying this guy's name for some fucking reason, but this guy was uh, filmed on a train pleasuring himself in front of a 16-year-old girl. He was granted a working with children check, it's called their WWCC by the um, NSW, I presume that means New South Wales Civil and Administration Tribunal after his status as a, quote, disqualified person, end quote, was successfully reversed. He had earned that status 
after a string of incidents, including the 16-year-old train passenger that he masturbated in front of. Yes, he did. Now, he told the tribunal that he was already masturbating before the teenager entered the carriage and that he did not intend to ejaculate on her. Yes, yes, he did. He did that. He fucking jizzed all over her, dude. Fucking unbelievable. How are you going to do this? What is, who is, who's on these tribunals, dude? Yeah, dude, this happened in, well, so in 1977, this is when he pleasured himself in front of the 16-year-old girl before ejaculating on her. So it was a long time ago. He was placed under a 12-month order at the time, but argued he was at 19 at the time, and yes, he did not mean to ejaculate on the girl. In 1994, he was convicted of indecently assaulting his former partner after grabbing her throat in public and then squeezing her vaginal area. And then in 1995, he was convicted of indecent assault for masturbating in front of his female housemate and sentenced to six months in jail. And he had an incident where he showed pornographic photos to a 15-year-old girl. He punched his ex-girlfriend in the head, causing her to be knocked to the ground in 1992. And the tribunal said the applicant had, quote, expressed great remorse, end quote. <laughs> Australia, you guys, you guys got to pay more attention to what the hell's going on over there. What in the hell? All right, this video is going around. You guys like the UFC? Y'all know Sean Strickland. He's fighting tonight. Well, he got into it with a Canadian reporter. And yes, I know all the right-wingers love this. I've only listened to like the first few seconds of this. And this guy sounds like just a dumb fucking guy. And I know you want so badly for these dudes to be your culture warriors. I get it. But can't you have people who like just sound intelligent? And I get the passion, okay? I should I should be fair. Let me stop myself. I only listened to a few seconds to get the audio. It's a little muffled, uh, distorted, I should say, because he's like screaming into the microphone, but we'll see what we can make out of it. So let me rather, let me listen to the whole thing and then I'll uh, tell you my thoughts. So with this Canadian reporter. It's been great. Are you Canadian? Uh, of course I am. Are you part of the fucking opposition? Are you? Uh, I don't know how to phrase that. You, I mean, you got like fucking, uh, yeah. Well, I did want to ask you. Did you vote for Trudeau? Uh, you know, I'm not going to say. And, and let me tell you something right now, but man says he's not going to say. Like, if you ask a motherfucker, did you vote for Biden? He's like, well, I'm not going to say. That's none of your business. He voted for fucking Biden. Sean, so, I'm, hey, Sean I'm glad you had great experiences. So this is our, this is what I'm talking about, you guys. The enemy. The enemy of Canada. Sure, sure. All right. That's what it's got to be. It's got to be. Uh, we've got a pretty supportive gay and lesbian yeah. community in this city. I did want to ask you about something you wrote a couple of years ago. You said, if I had a gay son, I would think I'd... Oh, look, another... another I'm saying in the swamp, you guys. The swamp. You become a champion. You become a star. And, and someone said, Let me ask you something. Are you are you are you gay? I had the chance no, to come back with a more diverse. Are you? Let me. Are you gay? Can I hear? Can I get an answer? Well, no, I'm asking. I'm, this is a part of. Are you? Are you a gay man? I'm an ally of the community. Okay. If you had a son and he was like, you know, yeah, son, he was gay, you'd be like, oh man, you don't, you don't want a grandkid. No problem with it. Oh man, well, dude, you're a weak fucking man, dude. You're like, you're part of the fucking problem. You elected Justin Trudeau. Like, when you fucking, when he sees the bank accounts, like, you're just fucking pathetic. And, and the fact that, the fact that you have no fucking backbone and, and has he shut down your fucking country and seized bank accounts, you ask me some stupid shit like that, go fuck yourself. Move the fuck on, man. No, that doesn't really coward. answer the question, but I did want to ask also things you said about the trans community. You said uh, this past October when they announced the Bud Light sponsorship that, 
you'd go so hard on Bud Light in your next fight, they'll have to accept me or denounce me when uh, when they know what and will know what they stand for. Are you this guy's like, nah, this Canadian's not that Canadian. Are you still going to use your fight time to kind of speak on that? Here's the thing about Bud Light. Here's the thing about Bud Light. Ten years ago, to be trans was a, what, a mental fucking illness. And now all of a sudden, people like you have fucking weaseled your way in the world. You are, you are an infection. You are the <laughs> definition of weakness. Yeah. Everything that is wrong with the world is because of fucking you. And the best thing is, is the world's not buying it. The world's not buying your fucking bullshit you're fucking peddling. The world is not saying, you know what? You're right. Fucking chicks have dicks. The world's not saying that. The world's saying, no, there are two genders. I don't want my kids being taught about, you know, who they could fucking school. I don't want my kids being taught about, you know, their sexual preference. Like, dude, this guy is a fucking enemy. Uh, you want to look at the fucking enemy to our world? It's that motherfucker right there asking these stupid fucking questions. Okay. Let, 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 let me just keep going. Okay. So you know what I mean? He just he sounds like a fucking meathead. And you know the guy, hey, if you don't want tough questions asked of you when you say controversial shit, then either don't say it or get out of the limelight. But he's kind of dodging that a little bit. The guy's like saying, hey, he's doing his job as a journalist. You know, he's like, hey, what about this thing you said? And the guy's like, and he, so what Sean Strickland did is he picked the mic up off the podium and he's like holding it to his face like an idiot. And that's why it's all distorted. He's like shouting into it. But yeah, okay, yeah, you can, and I can appreciate the sentiment of some of it, but speak intelligently and don't fucking say, go fuck yourself, fucking Canadian fucking Trudeau. Like just give a logical cogent argument back to defend your position. Does that make sense? Okay. I know you guys would like that one. Uh, let's go to a couple plane stories. A lot of you guys sent me this one. 37-year-old Estes Carter Thompson has been arrested in Virginia. Who is that? Well, that was an American Airlines flight attendant. And he has been arrested. He is a male flight attendant, and he's being accused of trying to secretly record a 14-year-old girl in the bathroom on board an American Airlines flight last year, and the cops are now saying he had video footage of at least four other minors on four other flights. Yeah, dude, this was trying. he was trying to record a teenage passenger while she was using a bathroom on the flight he was working on late last September. She noticed a phone taped to the toilet and alerted her parents. What an idiot. Yeah, so the 14-year-old girl got up to use the main cabin bathroom nearest her seat, found it was occupied, right? And she saw... So then then this guy, Thompson, he told her... Uh, he's like, oh, no, here's another bathroom. So let me escort you to this other bathroom. Before she entered the bathroom, Thomas allegedly told her he needed to wash his hands and that the toilet seat was broken. So after he left, the teen entered the bathroom, saw red stickers on the underside of the toilet seat lid, which was in the open position, staying inoperative catering equipment, removed from service, and seat broken, handwritten in black ink on one of the stickers. Beneath the stickers, Thompson had concealed his iPhone to record a video. So she used her phone to take a photo of the stickers and concealed iPhone between, before leaving. Then Thompson immediately goes back into the bathroom. The girl told her parents, and the father confronted Thompson, who then locked himself in the lavatory with his iPhone for three to five minutes before the flight's descent. 
Oh, gross. They also found images of uh, AI-generated child porn on his iCloud account. So that's nice. So you get, dude. Uh, meanwhile, the other plane story, a Virgin Atlantic flight from Manchester to New York was halted moments before takeoff after a passenger saw parts missing from the wing. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't as bad as it sounds, but still. So there's a picture of it and the rivets. You guys know like the riveting that they used to put the frame together? Yeah, some of the rivets are gone. Uh, four, to be exact. And the Virgin Atlantic plane said, uh, you know what, um, this, is, this is no big deal because the, they released a statement that said the four tops that were missing, quote, did not impact the structural integrity of the wing, the load capability of the wing, or the ability of the aircraft to operate safely, end quote. But it was supposed to be an eight-hour transatlantic flight, and they went ahead and uh, canceled it. So somebody forgot to put the screws back in. Okay. What else do I want to get to? No, oh, well, there's a couple media stories. You guys know I love these. Sports Illustrated has basically ceased operations. <laughs> the magazine for decades this is like an elite. This is the sports journalist job to have in the world. And it's been in decline for years. And the p company that publishes Sports Illustrated said in an email to employees that it was laying off pretty much all of them. And that's it. The move came after the Arena Group, which publishes the magazine and website under a weird management structure, had its license to operate the publication revoked. They said they are continuing to produce the Sports Illustrated brand and online conduct content until the situation is fully resolved. There's not going to be any resolved. There's going to be uh, there was there's roughly 100 journalists that work for Sports Illustrated, and it seems like they're pretty much all going to be laid off. You guys see how hard it is, dude. See how fucking hard it is to do this? And a lot of people had fun with the fact, the go woke, go broke thing. They were like, you mean to tell me putting uh, obese women in bikinis on the cover of the swimsuit issue didn't help? Yeah, not quite. And then the New York Times in the same week, they ran an article about three billionaires who wanted to save the news industry. Time Magazine, owned by Mark Benioff. The Washington Post, owned by Jeff Bezos, of course. And the Los Angeles Times, owned by Dr. Patrick Soon Shiong, they're all just getting hammered. Jeff Bezos bought the post in 2013 for about $250 million. Oh, God. Dude, I wouldn't pay $10 million to the Washington Post in 2024. Uh, Patrick Soon Shiong, he bought the Los Angeles Times in 2018 for half a bill, $500 million. And Mark Dent Benioff, he founded uh, Salesforce, a software company. He purchased Time Magazine in 2018 for 190 million. But yeah, they're all losing tons of money, Ton like tens of millions of dollars. The Los Angeles Times is pretty much has to be shut down. In the middle of last year, the Los Angeles Times is on track to lose 30 million to 40 million dollars in 2023, and they're laying off more people. Uh, Bezos at the Washington Post. They lost $100 million last year. And I don't care how much money a billionaire has. He didn't become a billionaire by tolerating $100 million loss. That's for sure. What about time? They lost about $20 million in 2023. 
That's what I'm saying, you guys. It's so fucking hard on the internet, which is why the Patreon for me is so huge. Patreon.com, BK Actual. And I appreciate it, all you who do that. Any more uh, audio clips? I want I'm starting around time here. I want to get to a few more. Uh, I wanted to play this one because this sounds like bullshit to me. So there's a congressional representative named Barbara Lee. She is African-American. She decided to tell this story on CNN. And let me just say, I highly doubt one word of this is true. Let's play the clip. It's not little kinks, first of all. Racism, institutional racism, is in the DNA of this country. When you look at uh, what has taken place, look at the, our Native Americans, the genocide of Native Americans. When you look at what has taken place as it relates to African Americans, uh, the 250 years plus of enslaving African Americans, and then you look at the disparities now uh, in our community in terms of health care, unemployment, the wealth gap, housing. You can't tell me that systemic racism does not exist. It's not just a little kink. Secondly, you have personal racism, which is hard to address, but I'll give you one little story that shows you why uh, we need to understand it. I don't think she really understands racism. I was walking from the House building on Capitol Hill to the Capitol and a man, a white guy, stopped me and told me I could not get into the member's elevator. And you know, we have uh, pens and I was going to vote. And he blocked me from getting into the elevator and told me I was not a member of Congress and it was for members only. I said, sir, I'm a member of Congress. And he, I showed him my pen and he said, whose pen did you steal? Now this is an example of what personal racism is and how people of color constantly have to deal with this each and every day. But systemic racism is in the policies of this country. And just look at what they're trying to do. All right, let me just stop her there. I think that's Caitlin Collins she's on with, who normally is is not too bad. But, okay, does anybody believe that? Uh, Lee has been in Congress for a long, long time. So does anybody really believe that some white guy security guard is not going to know who she is? They don't know who the members of Congress are. And then further, he sees the pin and says, oh, who'd you steal that from? Get the hell out of here. Why doesn't, why doesn't it, why did the anchor say, when did this happen? She just sits there. You got to butt in. I'd be like, what, really? When did this happen? Do you remember the dates? Uh, do you want to file a complaint with Capitol Police? Because, you know, there's surveillance all over the building. We could pull the surveillance and find out exactly when this happened and uh, find out who that security guard was and get him fired immediately. He's obviously unfit to work there. Like nothing. She just sits there. I don't believe a goddamn word of that. Get out of here with that. All right. Almost out of time here. But let's go on to a few headlines. Uh, Britain's largest steel mill is going to become more green, but it's going to lose as many as 2,800 jobs. This is Tata Steel, and they're going to shut down the blast furnaces at Britain's largest steel mill in Wales and replace it with an electric furnace. This is a move that would cut carbon emissions, but is again going to cost 2,800 jobs. Crazy. The company's part of that Indian-based Tata conglomerate. I think they make cars stuff, too. They said the steel mill, which dates back to the 1950s, has frequently lost money. And uh, they invested already uh, about $6 billion U.S. billion into it. And this is what they're going to do. So the unions are now angry. Well, the writing's been on the wall for this. In a rare move, Singapore has charged a government minister with corruption. S. 
Iswaran, the transport minister, was formally accused on Monday of taking bribes, including a ride on a private jet and tickets to the musical Hamilton and soccer games in Britain. By the time he appeared in court on Thursday and pleaded not guilty, he had already resigned from his post. This is not big. This is like Singapore has this image of being like really clean and no bribery, but there's been a couple scandals in the uh, governing people's action party. And so, yeah, this is, uh, this is all kinds of stuff. So they were started looking at this guy because he was, in, he had some business dealings involving a billionaire who helped bring the formula one race to Singapore and uh, funneling hundreds of thousands of dollars out of that and all, all kinds of shit. A couple other guys being rolled up for real estate, et cetera. A hot air balloon crash killed four people in Eloy, Arizona. I know Eloy well. There's a free fall center there for parachuting. He used to train there a lot. Four people killed, one person critically injured after it crashed in a desert area about 50 miles northwest at, at Eloy. The balloon was carrying 13 adults, including its operator. Eight of those aboard were skydivers. So apparently the skydivers did leave the gondola... They, they jumped out, and then there was some kind of failure. A witness said uh, they saw the balloon coming down. They said it was deflated, shapeless, and coming straight down. God damn, dude. I, I don't, I'll do a lot of shit. I don't want to get on a hot air balloon. I've done too many death stories of hot air balloon. And when you're on there, you're screwed. You're at the mercy of, like, wind and flame. The S&P hit a new record high. Yep. The S&P 500 rose 1.2% to close above the last record high that was set in January of 2022. Yet 2023 in the stock market was a shit show except for the last couple months, especially November. But the rally that finally pushed stocks over the edge was rooted in gains among influential tech stocks. Again, same old names, Apple, Microsoft, Meta, NVIDIA. Yeah, very good. We like it. We like that money. Let's keep it going. It has taken about two years for the S&P 500 index to recover from a slide set in motion that uh, the big inflation is going to push the Fed to slow the price increases and with them the economy. So, yeah, so the bet that rates will come down in 2024 is given the S&P 500 its latest push. So it's up from the October 2022 low about 35%. We love it. Uh, Microsoft executives' emails have been hacked by a group tied to Russian intelligence. Yeah, Microsoft said they found it a week ago. They're still investigating. The hackers appeared to focus on combing through micro Microsoft's corporate email accounts to look for information related to the hacking group, which Microsoft's researchers called Midnight Blizzard. They looked through emails from Microsoft's senior leadership team as well as employees in cybersecurity, legal, and other groups. Huh. They believe the Russian service, foreign service, and uh, excuse me, Russian foreign intelligence service has run the hacking group since at least 2008, and the group is known by a variety of nicknames. I remember this one. It's known by Cozy Bear. You guys remember that one from a few years back? The Dukes, and it's been behind a number of high-profile hacks. And these are the same guys who did the DNC hack, the Democratic National Committee, in 2015. Yeah, 
They think the hack was not very exotic. What they did was a basic tactic known as password spraying. Hackers try common passwords on a vast array of accounts. And they found an opening in an old account for a testing system and then used that account's permissions to gain access to the corporate email accounts. How about that? Yeah, like a lot, most hacking is not done by some like, you know, just like uh, what you think of hacking, like breaking in. It's done by just trying passwords. And then a lot of people like the doofus at the DNC, John Podesta, remember? They just sent him an email saying, oh, you have to, re, uh, you have to redo your password. And the dummy did it. China's population shrank again in 2023. Yep, and the Chi-Coms are nervous. China's population sank for a second straight year. And China said that 9.02 million babies were born in 2023. That's down from 9.56 million in 2022. And the seventh year in a row that the number has fallen. China has more older people than anywhere else in the world, an amount that is rising rapidly. Remember, they had that one-child policy for a long time, several decades. And that policy also created a whole generation of younger, one-child girls. And uh, they're, the government is begging these Chinese women to have more babies, but this is 2024 now, and these chicks are like any other chicks, and they want to be empowered, and they want to travel, and they want a career and stuff like that. And they're not doing it. So China's getting old fast. All right. Uh, I do want to play one more clip. Do I have it? Um, mm, I forgot to open it. Damn it. Okay. Yeah, again, guys, I apologize. I lost so much good stuff. Uh, quickly, I just want to say that uh, Lauren Sanchez, I mentioned Jeff Bezos earlier, his wife, his fiance, Lauren Sanchez, 54, <laughs> Megan Kelly, the Fox News chick, the former Fox News host, called her a hooker. <laughs> yeah, she snapped a uh, photo, Lauren Sanchez, in Milan, and it was quite the outfit. And yeah, she didn't uh megan kelly said yeah 54 year old lauren sanchez looks like a hooker but i'm looking at a picture of her right now lauren sanchez is hot dude the 54 too and i'm sure a lot of it is a little editing she looks good in her pictures dude yep kelly said quote i'm sorry she looks like a hooker she's going out in her lingerie now end quote it's she's basically wearing like these lace leggings which show all her legs underneath it but yeah she's pretty hot and finally, you guys, I have to go to the big finish because, again, I'm all jacked up over here. And I've got a twofer for you, so we've got that. Let us first go to... Where the fuck is... It? Where's the... Where is Auburn? Come on. <laughs> if you guys are new to the podcast, one of my most hated things is when a media outlet... They don't put where they're located. They just assume you know. And this is called kpcnews.com, and it's called The Star. And it's DeKalb County. I've heard of Is that? I can't remember what state that is, though. All right, come on. This is going to piss me off, so I'm actually going to Google it on the spot. DeKalb County is in Georgia. There we go. Very good. I knew I heard of that before. Anyway, headline, man accused of sex acts with animals. All right. Very good. 
33-year-old Mark Fender in Auburn in DeKalb County, Georgia, was arrested by the sheriff's office on a warrant. Uh, according to a police affidavit, they the police spoke with a man who lives with Butler. Wait a minute. What the? Sorry, this is written, this is horribly written. Uh, all right. Let me see if I can make some sense. I apologize, guys. Basically, the police interviewed a guy. He has some guardianship over 33-year-old Mark Fender. He allows Mark Fender to live with him. The man said he left Fender at the home that he owned with his dog, a nine-year-old male chihuahua. When he returned home, he noticed unusual signs pertaining to the dog, and he confronted Fender about them. Fender then informed the man that he had had sex with the dog. <laughs> a chihuahua, dude? Come on! Uh, and the man stated he also that they're leaving the owner of the house unnamed, which is why it's confusing. So the man stated he also talked to Fender about three goats he had on his property that he had allowed Fender to help care for. The man told police two of his two of the three baby goats were found dead in December in the building in which they were housed. The third one was walking strangely. The man said he talked to Fender about the goats, and Fender stated that he had also performed a sex act on them. During a police interview, Fender then stated he needed help, and he was there because he had had sex with the dog and the goats. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, so he says he said they had said he had some guardianship over Fender. So is this like some kind of special needs guy who's just out there banging goats? Yeah, and speaking of special needs, let us go to Australia and Melbourne and the Waratah Special Development School. Well, a teacher's aide who's remaining unnamed at a special needs school has demanded compensation after she was forced to clean up after the male students had masturbated and, yes, finished. She is seeking damage from the state of Victoria after she went through this. The teaching assistant claims she was paired with a class of teenage boys who were, quote, constant, end quote, masturbators from May 2014 to November 2015. One of her tasks was to clean up after them after they had masturbated the County Court of Victoria judgment stated that, and then this one, quote, she did this work for about one week before she broke down and resigned and had not worked there since, end quote. The document did not detail how the woman cleaned up after the students, how old they were, and where in the school they had masturbated. <laughs> the woman said she had been teamed up with an inexperienced teacher who had belittled her with racist and inappropriate remarks. Um... When she came forward with complaints, she was simply moved to a new class. And she says she's been able to, unable to work since she resigned in late 2015 because she has, like, nightmares about these fucking special needs dude jizzing all over the hallway, apparently. Is that, is that all we got in that? Gross. Waratah, W-A-R-A-T-A-H, Special Development School is the name if you guys want to Google it. And that's it. That's two and a half hours straight through. No breaks, no editing. For Christ's sakes, the tech is letting me down yet again. But yeah, you guys, avoid the special needs schools because apparently these guys are banging, banging dogs and goats and 
jizzing everywhere and you know you just don't want to be around that i really appreciate you guys listening go to patreon.com and search for bk actual consider making a donation i'm sorry it's patreon.com and i still haven't gotten you guys who's who helped me push through to my 2023 goal i will get to you i swear to god it's been a tough week but i really appreciate you guys listening if you enjoy the podcast like keeping the ad free consider going to patreon.com type in bk actual and follow me on instagram at bk actual as well as twitter for breaking news throughout the week at bravo kilo actual guys that's it for me back to the rain i'll see you next week